listeners, what's up? So we had a little bit of technical issues with this episode. Isaiah's local recording got corrupted, so we don't have Isaiah's audio. Uh, we do have the backup audio, and we didn't want to scrap the whole episode because we felt like there was still some good stuff in there and it was a good conversation. So we're going to use that backup audio uh, as much as we can. Uh, I don't know how Brett's going to chop it up specifically, but if you notice some weird dips up and down of the audio quality, that's why. Uh, Sorry about that, and sorry, Brett. But uh, the show goes on. The DM sent the party to kill a dragon, and uh, unfortunately, he didn't tell them that uh, the dragon was a fire-breathing dragon. And so they all died. The end. God, that, was, that, was, that, that was the best worst. you could do. <laughs> that was the worst one. I was just like, what am I doing? <laughs> that was horrible. All right, redo, redo. I, no, no, we're not redoing that. Ended. I refuse. Yeah. Nope, I refuse yeah. to redo that. We're keeping that nope. one in. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, God. Welcome, everybody, to God this damn. very tired, shitty edition. Could have put the Jeopardy <laughs> theme behind that canceled. one. Yeah. The Sessions Cancelled Podcast. Oh, oh my god. We come up with the worst intro bits. Of all podcasts. Nah, my last uh, one was banging. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, no. I didn't hear it yet. This, oh, this, this is a good one. This is a good one? Damn. Uh, I am, uh, of course, today your host, uh, Percy Glaxon, Mercy, uh, you know, Meryl Rivia, the man himself, Matt. What up? Uh, I'm here with the two boys, Josh. I fucking guess. And the other two boys, Isaiah. Am I two people? That's not how it works, This episode is going to be all over the place, fellas. Isaiah, you your head is up. You're, you're gappy. Oh, am I? Am I gappy? <laughs> Damn, am I the worst Josuke? You're Fuck. The, yeah, you're, the, you're the least, uh, you're the lesser love Josuke and, you know, pretty low Fuck. on the totem pole in terms of the overall JoJo rating. <laughs> Damn, pain. Jeez. Pain in my fucking peco, I guess. Ain't uh, nobody uh, say Gappy's their favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard anyone say Gappy's their favorite JoJo. Uh, not no. once. Yo, uh, I've never. We're, we're two minutes in. We are off to a fantastic start. This is gonna be, so, this is gonna be a great. I'm sure. Episode. I'm sure listeners yeah. probably watch JoJo. It's relevant. I think. Right. So, I don't know. Right. I understand JoJo references. There's okay. there's overlap. I'm sure. Yeah. Fuck. All right, dear viewers. Get ready for some shit. We've all had, for the most part, a terrible don't, fucking week. No, 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 no. Matt. Don't put the dirty laundry on the table in front of them. Keep no, it in the basement where nobody it. needs to see. Also, Matt had a great time. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, I had a good time. Well, I mean, I had a good good, good and bad time. But mostly good. That's not what we're talking about today. Uh, yeah. Today, uh, in some random thought that occurred to my head and then me being thrust into the hosting spot today, yeah. uh, I really wanted to talk about, uh, you know, the idea of like as players and DMs, the idea of hunting monsters, because as we all know, Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition is mostly a game about killing monsters and yet I, a terrible yep. game for hunting them. Yeah, you, you yes, but you can make it interesting <laughs> and you can make it fun. I it don't actually think you can, but we'll work. get there. I mean, yeah. I, I well, there's there's a bunch of things, and we're we're gonna go over probably most of them today what you can do and it's how not. actually there are some D examples in the game already of like hunting monsters but uh, i don't know like like what, what are your two th- general thoughts on like killing monsters why people why we do it as players why do GM, dms think it's interesting because i have a why we do it because the game tells you to matt what <laughs> all right well there's one example <laughs> i think what 
I feel like what you're thinking and what I'm thinking, I feel like we are not on the same wavelength right now. Well, if I'm not thinking what you're thinking and then you're not thinking what I'm thinking, then what are you thinking? I thought we're talking about the general idea of like doing a monster hunting style campaign. Whereas it sounds like you're just like LOL fight monsters. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, because I do want to get into the actual like hunting monsters, what goes into that. But I want to just get your general, your ge- general, like off the top I hate of this head, general like, shit you always start with, Matt. I never have an answer to you. It's just like, I don't know, that? fucking monster cool. Like, okay. That's all it has to be. I guess. If I could, yeah. Uh, let's see. For me as a player, yeah, I like like tracking monsters down and murking monsters because. I am a chimp brain. Ask anyone that I play Conan with. I just go out murdering every once in a while. Uh, blood for the blood god. As a GM, I fucking hate it because I feel like I suck at it because to Josh's fucking point, making hunts interesting is really fucking hard. Yeah. Well, I yeah. also think 5e is a really bad system for it. Yes, I mean, that is fair. I think it's, uh, like, I think 5e is... A d- y- 5e is a, a a dirty, dirty lying hoe who looks really good on the outside, uh, but has some uh, questionable diseases. Because 5e seems like because because that was a little fuck. that was a little aggressive. But yeah, the reason I say that is because the thing about 5e, and I don't know if this is if this is true or not of older editions. I'll be honest, I don't know enough about older editions because this is a pretty like. You kind of need to understand the game to have this uh, to have this take, as it were. The thing about 5e, though, is like, despite on the outside looking like a great game to play your Witcher fantasies, is actually not at all. <laughs> and there's a lot of things that get in your way. You know? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I, I can uh, see it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I feel like part of your problem, I say, is you're running up. A- I mean, you're not technically running 5e, but you're running a 5e adjacent. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, you've, uh, you, just, uh, you've adopted the problem. Kind of. Yeah, it's just, I find it really hard to keep things engaging because it's like, how you know, how much do you give them? How much do you expect them to figure out? Uh, you know, how many breadgrims should you, like, place down? Yeah, and, so. Well, Sorry, finish that sentence. <laughs> I just it sucks because I've had I've had players do it twice and I basically, you know, I, I have a very loose interpretation of how I want things to go and they almost never go according to plan. Uh, and, you know, my party does what most parties do when they don't know what to do, which is no one says anything and it gets really awkward and then I'm scrambling like a fucking idiot for 45 seconds before I throw the first thing that comes to my mind out of my ass. Yeah. Just a bad, just a bad time if you're not like super prepared for it. So I think I think part of the problem is if you want to do if you want to live your Witcher fantasies and you want to be Geralt, right? It kind of requires that you as the GM say here is some stuff, some info some hints, clues, whatever, right? And then you as the player, you you have to use your own brain is the problem. There is no way in the game, there are no mechanics in the game for you to 
like utilize or if if there are any there's very few there's a couple of things but there's very few there's no real mechanics to utilize to sort of make it cool and do the work for you right it's it's the D puzzle problem right the mechanics of D are to skip all of that right an investigation role is not to investigate the scene it's to skip investigating the scene and just have your character do it for you by rolling good number Mm-hmm. Monster hunting has that same problem where you have to be like, okay, uh, can I just roll investigation and get all the information about the scene? And you as a GM, if you want it to be a cool monster hunt, you have to say no. You have to say, tell me what you are investigating specifically because you have to make it essentially a puzzle. And to make a puzzle interesting, there has to be, uh, you know, layers. You have to go step by step. You have to take it slow. You can't just let the player or the character make one investigation roll and get all the information in one fell swoop. You know, instead, it has to be like the player goes, okay, um, I'm gonna uh, inspect the goop on the fence. Is there something magical about it? Make an arcana roll. Tell them about the goop. All right, now I'm gonna like inspect along the edges of the fence. What uh, does anything stand out? Make an investigation roll. And you have to kind of play that game. If you were not playing that game in the campaign up until this point, like let's say there wasn't really a lot of monster hunting and then now you decide to throw a monster hunting thing in the middle of the campaign, what ends up happening is the players go, wait, this isn't how we were playing before. Now we're playing differently, you know? It'd be like if you're playing Smash Bros and like all the items are on. By the way, take a shot. Josh, Josh references fighting games. It'd be like if you're playing Smash Bros and you have all the items on and then all of a sudden you're like, now we're going to turn all the items off and play Final Destination. Let's go, bitch. And it's like, wait, what? that's not what we were doing before. We didn't agree to this, you know? Uh, so that's a lot of the problem is the a lot of the mechanics. Again, this is a 5e specific thing I'm referring to here. A lot of the mechanics are essentially ignoring the part that would actually make the monster investigating hunting thing interesting. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's only one reason I think D&D 5e is bad for a Monster Hunter game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because I do want to get into also because there is the the Witcher uh, tabletop RPG. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't know anything. I don't know much about that game beyond like some hearsay. Yeah. Oh, I do because we can we can look at that as another example. Yeah, I've not heard much good about it to be honest. Mm-hmm. I've heard it's oh, kind of an over overcomplicated. He said no, I just said none of it good. None like, of it good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Whatever I have heard from the Witcher TTRPG, it's just overcomplicated mess is basically yeah. what I've heard. Yeah, that's literally how I I don't know how else I could have put it. Yeah. And there yeah. goes that other sponsorship. Nice two for two, baby. <laughs> I don't even know who made that game. So. Uh, I'm blanking on the name of the studio, but it doesn't matter. Reason, it doesn't matter. But yeah, uh, I don't know, because I do feel like a monster hunting thing could be it can be fun. But like like you were saying, Josh, unless you were either designing or the group was already doing that or you set it up in advance and really plan shit out as a dungeon master, your players can get easily lost or the threads could just fall through the cracks. And then, well, it's just not what they're we're used to the whole time, right? Like if you've been playing right. the game at, at 5e by default is I go into the room, I make an investigation check. How good is the number I roll? GM, tell me all the information about the room. That's not how you can. You can't do that with a monster hunting scenario, though, if you want to make it like really feel like a hunt, right? You can't you can't let one investigation roll just gather all that info. 
You can, so, make, you can make it like a series of checks or... You have to do... You you basically... Yeah, you, you can't rely on your character. You as a player have to now do the thing, which is not yeah. how 5e works by default. 5e works by default. I make an arcana roll. GM, tell me the info, because that's just kind of how the game is set up. And if yeah, you've been I mean, playing like that the whole time, then you have this weird expectations fuckery if all of a sudden you're not playing like that for a couple of sessions. Yeah, I mean, it, it basically the way... Because uh, I have thought about this in the past. The only way I can think of doing it which takes a quite frankly stupid amount of prep is you have to treat it kind of like a, like branching paths. So the first, you know, it's like overall question, GM, what do I see? Uh, and you know, yeah, it's if, a flow chart. Yeah. And then in the, you know, like, Oh, you find some goop on the wall, some scratch marks on, on like on a nearby tree, uh, some blood stains. And if you were really high, some tracks, uh, and then it's like, okay, well, what does the goop tell me? And you got four things for that. What does the scratcher tell me? Four things for that. And it just, it, it, they, all the branches will eventually lead to the same endpoint. It's just all the different ways of getting there. Uh, but as you can assume, that that gets really out of hand really quickly. Well, I do think one good trick for the situation, though, is rather than um, plan everything out like uh, to that point, just sort of say, okay, regardless of what the players do, the thing that happens at the end is going to be the same, and what they do along the way will either make their life harder or easier once they hit that endpoint, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, okay, for example... Building a yam-shaped uh, adventure. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like, so, for example, you know, oh, there's this giant water snake thing in the lake. Oh, it ate the farmer's goat. All right, do all the investigating. Let's say they did they did shitty, didn't like didn't check the area very thoroughly and just didn't get a lot of information. Then when they end up meeting the big snake in the lake because that's always the end point is fighting the snake at the end in the lake, they get fucked up real bad because there was a bunch of information they were lacking that of like weaknesses they could exploit and the snake fucks them up. Other scenario, they get all that info, you still fight the snake but now you have more tools at your disposal. That's kind of the best way to go about it. Unless they're really clever and find a way to like actively dodge the fight, but you gotta, you better be fucking Einstein or some shit pulled, yeah, pulling that, that one. Is... Like, if you're real big brain, sure, maybe. <laughs> that's, that's fucking druid makes eight spells of, uh, uh, what is it? Call lightning and they all just start striking the lake at the same time. <laughs> Um, well, no, because I, I would argue that still gets you to the end point. If you still have to fight the snake, he's just damaged now. You know? I would say that's like D&D &D redneck fishing. That really is some shit that I would come up with. That That's <laughs> the shit that I do that like GMs that have had me are like, this is why you can't let him solve complex problems. <laughs> it's true. Because I true. will do that. I, I absolutely would be the person that like it's like, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to take, you know, 20 pounds of dynamite. We're going to drop it roughly where we think the creature is. And then we're going to all, I'm going to make a bunch of scrolls of call lightning. And we're all going to cast lightning at the same time. And it's going to detonate the dynamite under the water on top of electrocuting the creature. It would get so bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is worth pointing out, though. Even. I think another thing, another good way to to try and make the monster thing, the monster hunting idea work is, you know, you, 
The fight is not... The actual fight with the monster, you have to, as a GM, accept. That is not actually the kind of pinnacle of the, the, of the situation. You know, like... It's kind of, you know, like when you get in a dungeon, it's not like you only care about the final boss, right? The dungeon is the showcase. You essentially have to treat a monster hunt like a dungeon. So even if your players manage to, like, completely dick the final fight, it, it's okay, because that's not really the point. The point is is the whole encompassing thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, yeah, there are some players like Isaiah who will, you know, like, find a way to... Idea. Find a way to throw 80 pounds of dynamite into the cockatrice den and then all of a sudden have free chicken for the night, you know. Shit like that. (laughs) I always think of the (laughs) the silver mustard gas for the fucking fortress full of werewolves. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) But, um, you know, one of of the things I was thinking of too a while ago was uh, because, like, one of these examples, like, why why do, like, why why do we hunt monsters in D&D specifically like why Why do players A as a DM why do I think it's really neat to do and make monster hunts I mean we or, th- or like well, but like as a player it's like there's like what was uh obviously it's like yeah XP do you mean why like, is it appealing XP. yeah it's like because I would argue we this? don't hunt monsters in D&D we kill monsters in D&D we don't hunt them we just kill them right we're going on monster hunt killing them like there's a difference like of, eh, there's well, a di- no there's a difference Matt trust me well, I'm, I'm kind of ge- again generalizing like the whole bit because like, right, but, like, but you, so the distinction here is important. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Like, there's a difference between okay, let's put it this way if you are if you have a gun, right, in real life, <laughs> if you have a gun mm-hmm. okay. and you go to you know a one acre plot of land with no trees or cover and there's a fence all the way around it and there's a deer in the middle of that one acre plot of land and you shoot that deer with the gun you did not hunt that deer you killed that deer but you did not hunt that deer you know Mm. whereas if you go into the woods and track it for three hours and then kill it you hunted the deer right well this is again well this general question is leading me into like you know why why we hunt monsters like what's the end goal for players and stuff okay so if I may if I may I think the question is, why do players like the big monster specifically? Okay, well, so what I'm what I'm, that again, that feels like a separate thing, though, that, or a separate question, because what what I'm saying is, Matt, you're saying, why do we hunt monsters? And my counter is we don't. We don't hunt monsters in Vibe. You just kill them. You don't actually hunt them. Now, why do we want? Why is the idea of doing the hunting part appealing? That's a different thing. That's its own. That's like a separate question. You know what I'm saying? And then why is the big monster enticing is like also kind of a separate question. You know what I'm saying? Thick. I don't even feel like I'm hosting. Do you get what I mean, though? Like, or am I just do it like no i, I no, do i mean i, I, don't I think, think you're, you're nitpicking base. for I, no I, reason <laughs> it's not no it's well, but that's the thing it's not that's what it's not nitpicking because it's what i was talking about in the in the at first it was what i was talking about in the first place why i'm saying 5e seems like a good game for hunting monsters but actually isn't like it kind of lies to you because these mm-hmm. distinctions are what take it from a to b like the distinctions are what make the difference because just just walking down a hallway into a big room and fighting a boss is not the same thing as what you do in The Witcher 3 when you get a monster contract, right? Those aren't the same. Right. That That's what I'm saying. It's not nitpicking. It's like, 
it, it seems like nitpicking on a, on like the surface, but when you start to break it down, it, it the 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 difference matters. Is right. Is I guess. All thing. right. So I guess I I failed in my original question was like, I guess. The, no, I'm not, guess I'm not saying. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. I, I, your original question is actually, I think, three questions <laughs> is really I what I'm saying. Yeah, because like, I, so which one do you I want me to answer to, first? Because <laughs> at some point I do want to talk about like making monster bits and the magical bits mm-hmm, type of deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like that could be, I don't know, a later on type type of topic or whatever, because that, that is kind of what I was like angling of like one of the things of like why players like killing monsters. But I guess, yeah, that was, that is a, I guess, a different thing than haunt, hunting monsters. It's. Yeah, well. I, uh, Isaiah, I guess start you start with what where you were going with your distinction. Yeah. Uh, well, see, so yeah, I, I, I <laughs> if if we're coming at it from the question of why do why do players like taking down the big monster? I. Uh, to get weirdly like profound, I think it's just something built into humans. Like, it, there's something very David and Goliath about it, right? Like, I'm tiny thing taking on big thing for I am, you know, a badass or power friendship or so have you. You know, like there's a. You see a I think tall tree, be, you want to climb it. You see a big boulder, you want to climb it. Yeah, kind of something like yeah. that. Yeah. Like you see a massive obstacle that seems un like unachievable, and then you go, I bet. <laughs> you strap on a sword. So, yeah, I think that's probably what it is. And, you know, in games like 5e, you know, you're not actually committing murder on an ancient being. And you're getting paid for it with, uh, you know, potentially gold XP and whatever bits you can rip off the thing to make into a cool thing. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I would argue you're not really being it it sounds dramatic, but you're not really being that dramatic because it is true. There's like a there's a an innate human urge to do the like it doesn't even necessarily have to be the David and Goliath thing so much as just the innate human urge, human urge to like overcome the challenge. You know, mm-hmm. that's really all it is. Yeah. Um, and and also, you know, I think the big monster, the big monster fight is the number one fantasy that D and D sells. At the end of the day, you know, like when you literally, yeah, yeah, like, I mean, it's literally called Dungeons and Dragons, right? So it's like the two things we're selling here is big monster in room. You know, it's funny. I heard someone say um, it really shouldn't be uh, if they wanted to name the game really literal, they would call it uh, places and things. (laughs) Or things in places, (laughs) because Mm. that's really what it is, right? Big thing in place that I fight, right? Dungeon Mm. in a a dragon in a dungeon. Um, So, yeah, I I think when it comes to D&D, it's it's appealing to fight to do the big monster fight because it is literally the primary fantasy that the game was based on originally, because before they had the game, they had chainmail and chainmail is army versus army soldier shoots soldier. D&D is like, what if we focused in on the soldiers and had the soldiers overcome like a big obstacle? So it's it it goes from being this big battlefield to now we're shrinking way down into a room and we're focusing on one specific fight. And since the dawn of the game, the most interesting fights have been shit like beholders and dragons and demon lords, which are all big monsters. You know, it's like it's really, really intrinsic to the game. But all that being said, all of that just involves killing and not the hunting. The hunting part 
is not actually that intrinsic to the game, which is kind of weird, but true in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's right. so that yeah, the game almost designs for the destination and not the journey. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> yes, that is actually the best way to put it. Yeah, the game is right, designed for the destination. Because you wouldn't call like you know. Oh, an NPC tavern keeper's like, oh yeah, go kill all the rats in my basement. That's not a monster. Hunt. That's just you know, right. a kill quest. Yes, exactly. Like, it's a level one quest. Yes. Yeah, so like, but like, if it's like, oh yeah, there's you know, there's this you know, band of orcs or something, or a band of uh, ogres, like whatever in the town. There have been a problem. Can you go out there, find them, kill them, bring me their heads? Is that a monster hunt, or is that just a side quest to go kill? Some so orcs? I think the distinction. Another least- kill quest. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I think the distinction for me is it, it how you get to the final goal, right? Like D and D by default, generally it's like, hey, I need you to kill these ogres for me. Okay, we go out. Oh, the ogres are in their lair. Okay, we enter the lair. We do the lair thing. We find them in the at the back in the big room. We kill the ogres. That's just standard D and D. That's sort of that's a kill quest. If part of the quest is, hey, I need you to fix this ogre problem for me. I don't know where the ogres are or where they're hiding or where they're coming from. So step one you is. So the first step is even figuring out or it might not even be ogres, right? Like step one is something is killing my goats. I don't know what's killing my goats. Step two. All right. We figured out it's ogres. OK, where are the ogres? I don't know where the ogres are. Investigate the scene. All right. We might have an idea. OK, now that we know where the ogres are, track them to their lair. OK, we found the lair. Now we need to try and find them within the lair. You know, like that's kind of the difference. Yeah. And is, breaking up into little, you know, it becomes different tasks, different skills that you have to use. It be, yeah. It becomes more about the journey. Like Isaiah was mm-hmm. saying, it, when yeah. it when when the focus of the of the like fighting the monster is about the journey, and not just the fight at the end, then it turns into more of a hunt vibe, right? Like a lot of, again, The Witcher being the easiest comparison here. In The Witcher game, when you get a monster contract, the first thing you have to do is be like, all right, I got to go to the site where somebody said they saw a funny thing and figure out based on this description that this one peasant gave me that it was a dude with a big ass and teeth which doesn't help me very much i have to go look around <laughs> and investigate I just, I just the a dude with a big ass <laughs> i have to go investigate the kill did site did you mean to say no, big ass teeth no 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 i said big no no i, I meant what it's- i said it's a reverse vampire, just has a big ass. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Like, yeah. Go find the werewolf with the massive dumpy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Damn, so it's like. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> like boy, over here. Yeah, or like, or like the thing where it's like, oh, you know, um, there's a noon wraith, and some lady describes how a child got lifted in the air and then ripped apart, and you're like, well, that doesn't really tell me a lot, so I have to go to the location, and step one is figure out what I'm even dealing with, um, you know, like, and that's how most of the Witcher contracts go, right? It's like because you're talking to a bunch of dumb peasants, you know, no offense to the peasants, but you know, be like that sometimes. <laughs> Because you're talking to a bunch of dumb peasants. You're like, I need to figure out what the fuck they're even talking about because they just described me some big dog man with a fat ass and I don't know what that means. (laughs) It's like, oh, oh, it's a wolf. It's totally a wolf. Meanwhile, the end quest, it's a lion. You're just like, no, no, no. You see what? Oh, man, I hate that made that joke. (laughs) (laughs) What a good movie that was, wasn't it? 
Oh well, no, you know what it is. What it, uh, it's like? Oh, it's a it's a dog thing with a fat ass, and then you find out it's a werewolf that has a thorax like a spider. <laughs> oh, oh, that's where this was going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not what the original thought was, but that's where I'm going no, with I, it now. I know. I just <laughs> he's got a giant was, ant thorax. I was wondering, I'm like, okay, he keeps talking about something with a fat ass. What, what are we doing here? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's okay. a, it's a drider. It's a werewolf drider. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, we Sam's are... not here for this. Don't, uh, don't put this out uh, in the universe. Dry, it's yeah. a werewolf, werewolf space spider drider. Werewolf space oh spider drider. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that does add to because, like, you know, if you think about like D and D right now, you yeah. have you know role playing, combat, the two biggest pillars of the game, and then you have the third pillar, which is supposed to be exploration, and most people agree that within 5e at least at the moment that exploration is probably the weakest pillar of so, the game. Matt, did we did we listen to the same episode of the Ultra Floorcast? No, no, what? <laughs> oh, okay, cuz they talked about this very recently. Oh shit. And okay. like the last episode before. Um oh. It's like besides yeah. like obviously like you explore a dungeon and all that or like you go out into the woods and do a hex crawl like uh like Tomb of Annihilation. Ah, okay. I, lo- I love that shit. But, like, I don't think I'd be able to run it well. <laughs> so here's the thing. This is where things start to get complicated. But this mm. this will wrap back around to the monster hunting situation. The thing about exploration, and I'm just I'm just going to steal this quote. This is from Sean Merwin. I'm just going to just going to rip this right out of his fucking mouth because it's a good quote. Exploration is going from the known to the unknown. Right. That can mean yeah. a lot of yeah. things. The problem right now that 5e has is a lot of people, when they say exploration, really are talking about travel, right? which is not actually what anyone really gives a shit about. They just think they no. give a shit about it, but it's not really what you give a shit about, right? That's why there's like 30 videos on YouTube of how to make traveling in, uh, right. you know, interesting. Right. And most people, by the end of the video, just say, just skip it. Just skip it. Exactly. Just because <laughs> what you want isn't the travel. It's the exploring the thing, right? Exploring the weird thing. When, yeah, you when you're playing the deep dark forest or the ruins of the ancient dungeon or whatever right. the fuck, you know, when you're, mountain. when you're playing Elden Ring, the fun part is not running from point A to point B on your hack, right? That's yeah. not the fun part. The fun part is running around on your hack named Torrent and then you see a weird thing over to your left and being like, what the fuck is that? And then you walk over and it's a random dungeon with a boss in it, right? That's the fun part in Elden Ring. That's yeah, the finding thing people things out in the open yeah. or not out in the open, but finding things as you're exploring from A to B, looking right. at all the different new new sites. Same that, thing with like Skyrim or any kind of game, old game like that. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. the part people actually want. So mm-hmm. when we come back around to the monster hunting thing, yeah. what's appealing about the monster hunt is that's the whole point of a hunt. Yeah. I don't have the information. I'm going to survey the area and gain the information to then do the I'm, thing. I'm going into the unknown to find yes. a thing. I yeah. Part of <laughs> I the reason dungeons are fun is because I don't know what's in this dungeon. I don't know what's in every room. I don't know what's around the corners. I'm checking doors. I'm checking corners. I'm thro- I'm using my torch. I'm snuffing my light to sneak around. I'm checking for trap. That's using all my the good. Ch- using my ten foot pole. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's where it gets fun, and that's why yeah. the monster hunting idea sounds like a good idea or it not even sounds like it is a good idea it is fun it's just right. 5e fights you <laughs> yeah yeah because there's a lot of like you're saying there's a lot of setup on there's, the dm's part to make it fun and engaging for players it's a lot of setup want to do it yeah it's a lot of setup on the dm the players 
have to be willing to tackle this problem themselves, right? Like, mm-hmm. you can't, again, you can't, like, rely on your stats a lot of the time if you want to make it actually interesting. Right. And then there's the other problem. And I think this is one of D&D's biggest problems. Sometimes magic just ruins the fun. Oh, like detect magic or spells like just yeah. Objects spells sometimes just ruin the fun, you know. Right. Well, that like, gets into like the lower to like mid tier play. That's when you can do all that stuff. Right. I mean, you can do some of it. Like, let's say there's a monster, and for some reason it's immune to like divination spells, and your players are like, "Well, we have to go into the abyss. I don't know what the fuck is in there, but we got to go in and find it." At level twenty players, and then you could do something like that. But that's just kind of like nonsense at that point. Kind. Well, I, so my, I, I've been a little quiet. I've been quiet for a little while. Um, it can ruin the fun if if you sort of if you panic when it comes up, right? Because it's like, oh, like we have to track this monster and then you cast locate creature. It's like, oh, fuck. Well, now we know where the monster is. And they just sort of completely illegitimized all of the clues I had set up. Yes. However, um, there are workarounds you can do, right? Like the there's always that part in a hunt where the creature is it runs and then there's the chase so the chase can then for become like the the new aspect that keeps things interesting and it like keeps the fun alive it's not easy to do i'm not saying that like um you know oh just put in a chase sequence because that has its own fucking slew of problems but it, it doesn't have to ruin the fun it, it is a possibility though i'm not gonna pretend like it'll never happen yeah, and at least with like some of the spells, like locate creature, locate object, it has to be something you're familiar with. So like, if you're fighting fighting a monster or trying to hunt a monster, you have nothing. Like, you know, you just have a drawing in a book, and whatever the you know the farmer tells you, I, you can't use your spell for that. Well, you're gonna be like, well, I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> uh, you get into a gray area if you have a drawing because you could argue that's familiar. But there you go. Yeah. At lower levels, what you're saying, Isaiah, is fine. The problem is when you get into higher levels of D&D, some of the spells just become uh, give me what I fucking want buttons. Damn, I cast wish to bring the monster to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, or, I think or that they should be. But or another good one is <clears throat> legend lore, right? GM, just tell me what it is and what it does and where it is, right? Like legend lore is just tell me all the info about the monster right now, you know? So which this this kind of ties in the other reason I think 5e is actually kind of a shit game for this is uh, the ramp up of 5e because you know when you're playing the witcher you know you expect Geralt's gonna fight some griffins maybe a dragon occasionally uh, some leshens you know drowners right all that good stuff those are all you know CR 10 and below monsters maybe maybe the dragon's a little bit higher but not depends when you start getting into the higher levels of D&D the kind of shit you're fighting is like beyond monster hunting levels and is now gone into the place of like extra planar demons and angels and demigods and robots from like fucking built by the ancient ones right like it gets so crazy that it becomes really hard to reasonably be like, all right, guys, we're going to do a monster hunt on the Demogorgon. You know what I mean? Which is a plane hopping monster yeah, hunt. For yeah, hopping from plane to plane <laughs> it gets really this thing. Yeah, it I gets, mean, that does sound cool if you could do it. Well. 
maybe, but it, it just it the the ramp up of things you fight in D and D, right? The the rate at which it starts to get crazy in D and D is so like. I mean, when you get to level like fifteen, I fucking you know <laughs> you're fighting titans and shit. Like it gets so wild that it's not really a monster hunt anymore. So much as it's like a weird, it's like a I don't even know what to call it. But it, it's a it's a monster fight, but the hunting part gets kind of like not it doesn't really jive. So I think if you were to try and do it with 5e, you would have to kind of keep things sub level 10, you know? Well, uh, yes, for the most part. Yes, I agree. Um, but there is something cool to say about like the the Shadow of the Colossus style the, it's not really a hunt, but it's a journey, right? Like in Shadow of the Colossus, you have yeah. to cross the plains and climb the cliffs and ascend the towers and move across the desert and shit like that to get to the thing. So then the game becomes, it's not, oh, we have to find it. It's like, oh my God, we have to get to this thing and we need to fight it. Fuck, you know? <laughs> it's all fun and games until the players are climbing up a thousand foot tall mountain. And then one of them mm-hmm. goes, can we just teleport? And then they teleport and it goes wrong. And they, you know, they teleport to a different mountain range that's a hundred miles away again. And they're like, oh my God, I want to go home. <laughs> you know? <laughs> or, yeah. it's a, you know, if they do teleport to the top of the mountain, uh, congrats, you still have to fight the fucking thing, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, there's something to be said about the. Uh, about sort of transition tra- transitioning from one vibe to another vibe that that's that's a thing but I think the other thing about like higher level play is you know when you're when you're doing a campaign right you always need to you know you need to justify why are my players going out and, and and killing things going into dungeons go, doing quests right you always need a you need to justify you need a reason and at lower levels justifying a monster hunt pretty easy we're gonna get the job it's harassing the town we'll get paid blah 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 right hey, sure sure by the time you get over level 10 you start to become like you know oh you're local legends and stuff so you're probably should be dealing with bigger things and it becomes a little hard to justify like go kill the werewolf for me you know again like it gets a little like keeping the um keeping a like if you want the whole campaign to be about that keeping it on that focus becomes tricky as levels get higher you know what i mean because especially because you know the local peasant isn't gonna ask you to kill an angel for them (laughs) right (laughs) Mm-hmm. They'll ask you to go save their baby from the werewolf, but if the local peasants like, I'll pay you a hundred gold to go punch Raphael in the face. That's a little weird. <laughs> yeah, actually, can we can we like side step for a minute about uh-huh, like uh-huh. angels and celestial creatures stat blocks, like in general, like oh, okay. unless you're running an evil campaign or you're using one of those things as an NPC, why the fuck, like, do they have all these? Like, like in the monster manual, there's only like three angel stat blocks and that's fine. But then you get into shit like Ravnica and now like God knows how many books have come out now. Like, am I supposed to be fighting these good things? I'm not running an evil campaign. Yes. I'm going to tell you why. Uh, 
we see a lot of times in like legends and shit of you know the test of the gods yeah. So it would make sense for the plane, you know, if you're a level 20 party, the planetar sends from, you know, descends from the heavens and is like, okay, you think you're cool enough to high five God? You got to go through me first. You know, mm-hmm. shit like that. It's uh, actually, yeah, it's like, if you take so it it's from like the, trials, like, actually, yeah, like, like if you take it from the idea of why am I murdering a pa- paragon of good, it does get a little weirdly noodly because most of D&D is being a good guy. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, just fighting them is not it, like if for I, I would expect for a level 20 party fighting an angel probably is not that uncommon. Killing them probably is. Uh, yeah, like if like if you let's say for some reason the players are fucking mad lads and you let them plane hop for a while and they go to Mount Celestia and the fucking solar is like, guys, go away. And they're like, but we want to make it up the mountain. He's like, I'm going to shoot you with the fucking heavenly bow. And they have to fight him for a little bit before they're like, okay, you know what? Let's, we're just going to leave. We're just going to leave. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I fucking thought. Bitch. <laughs> uh, so so uh, also Theros has a lot of things that are not they're like divine but they're not you know. Yeah, no Ther- Theros had a lot of angels. Uh, I think in Vol's Guide they put a bunch like the, I forgot what's called, the, the golden dragon horse thing i'm blanking on its fucking name kieran. thank you kieran hey uh hey you want to know how many how many celestials are in theros mm. two three right oh two. two wait what no archon of the falling stars Ashen oh if Rider, you count the mounts Winged there's Bull, four and winged line yeah oh well yeah um if you yeah, count if you count the, the things they're, they're they're riding there's four Here's the I, thing. First yeah. of all, uh, yes, I was going to say what Isaiah was going to say. It's a, usually you're fighting them as like a trial or a test or they're a guardian or something like that. Um, but also the amount of celestials in the game is incredibly small. It's pay- annoyingly. So. It is the smallest monster type by far. Besides like, I don't know, plants, maybe. No, plants are actually pretty expansive. Yeah, they're not. Celestial yeah. is the smallest one by far. Uh, it is let's see one, two, three, four, five, six, oozes. seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, yeah, fourteen, oozes, fifteen. Uh, oozes 15, are the smallest. 15, okay, seventeen. Oh. 18, 19, no, that 20, makes sense. Because like, how many oozes do you really fucking need? Not many. There's twenty six yeah. angels in total, and one Damn. actually no, sorry. There's twenty five angels in total because one of them's the Tasha's summon spirit. So there's twenty five angel stat blocks, mm. which is nothing in comparison no. to all the other types of stat blocks. So there's in really into humanoid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dragons. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Jesus, that's that's the first thing. There's not yeah. that many angels. And like Isaiah said, yes, you're generally fighting them as like a test and stuff. And also, even if you're not running an evil campaign, you could have an angel go mad. You could have an angel be a traitor. You could have yep. a Kieran that just corrupted. decide to fuck your shit up because of Kieran Angie. You could have a Pegasus just attack you because <laughs> it's an it animal. You called it a giraffe. It got mad. <laughs> you <laughs> called it a giraffe. You know, or you could have a unicorn attack the party because they, the unicorn thinks they're desecrating the land and it's actually a big mix up. And it's like, no, we weren't the ones who did it. And then the hmm. unicorn attacks them. Right. Like, yeah. there's a lot of ways you could justify it. I don't think there's any reason to, like, not utilize angels. You know, yeah, no, because it's always just been like a weird thing. Because I think in my last, I think it's fine. I didn't. I think I used them an angel stat block once. I mean, yeah, you might not use it a lot because dealing with celestial stuff is kind of funky, but mm-hmm. it's still there's still reasons to do it. Yeah. Also, me, you know, the, the <laughs> thing that I want out of a uh, because I want more celestial stat blocks. Yeah. 
Um, and I, I want stuff that's kind of outside the, the norm, usual scope of like, you know, Greco-Roman slash Christian stuff. Angels, you yeah. know. Oh, like we have we have Coatl, which is cool because you know we got some Mesoamerican stuff in yeah. there. Uh, so that's kind of cool. You know, the Kieran is is uh, East Asian. That's pretty cool. But I, I want more in, like. Go on. I was gonna say I think in Radiant Citadel they added something. I would like to also point out, by the way, the um, <laughs> the Guildmasters Angels are like not. Like one of them's Aurelia, which isn't even an angel. She's a planeswalker person okay. that has like angel abilities or whatever. So like what? some uh, of the celestials aren't even really celestials in the traditional sense. Yeah, and actually uh, the more traditional sense, uh kind of if you look at the Matt Colville angels, they get fucking weird. Yeah. Like from the Strongholds and Followers book. Also it's really like the whole like idea of like just wings and eyes. Yeah, oh, also uh, yeah, I say like we have some like potentially like uh yeah. Uh, the Pari. Yeah, that's, looks, what, I, that's uh, what I was just about to tell you. Yeah, yeah that, Hindu. That's, that's a Hindu style angel. Yeah, and uh, Atash looks almost Mesopotamian. Don't crucify me, internet. He's he's evoking really big Gilgamesh vibes, which is sick. Oh. Uh, I'm actually going to look him up real quick. I had a whole back of Guru Gamesh so badly. You have no idea. I. Uh, <laughs> <no>. Anyway, <laughs> that was a that was a random. Gilgamesh. <laughs> why, why are you like this? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah, guys. So go hunt, hunt the angels for the gods. They'll thank you later. Uh, plain, plain, hunt them through Mount Celestia. Uh, that might be a little odd. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we. I like. Well, I guess because we've been talking about a little bit with this monster hunting stuff. So like, obviously, like gigantic mega huge huge with a capital u huge. inspiration uh obviously the witcher the game the book you know the show uh but like obviously you know another big one because monster hunt uh what about the monster hunter games like you guys you think that like you can like again pull the mat method of just i'm just gonna take this chunk throw it in my 5e and just jerry rig the shit out of it until it like it's functional god uh, i short wish answer, not no. easily no, I, I with think... Monster Hunter, it's like the different, obviously, body parts of the monsters. Finding using different weapons, the oils, the tracking the monster in the I, location. Like, so, uh, it is a lot, but that's actually not even really the problem necessarily. Okay, I've gone. I, I think I think I've said this on on recording before. Um, I think Monster Hunter as a video game is almost impossible to emulate in a tabletop sense. I think it's basically an un- unachievable goal, and if you try and tackle it, I, good luck. Um, I, I don't necessarily think it's it's impossible, but I, I will give you that it's probably incredibly difficult. It's very so, hard. A lot of people have tried. Like, there's a, Many like, people have tried. If you just type tried. in D&D 5e Monster Hunter World uh-huh, or whatever, uh-huh. you'll get a million different like PDFs and shit. Uh-huh. There's a couple of things with Monster Hunter. Um, first of all, a, Monster Hunter isn't. Uh, when people talk about wanting to do like a monster hunting campaign in D&D, generally the vibe they're thinking of is The Witcher, not Monster Hunter, because the vibe of Monster Hunter is a is not 
like like I said before we started recording, it's more like you're hunting kaijus. It's not, you know, like I'm going to talk to this peasant woman and she's going to tell me about how her baby got eaten and I'm going to find out it's a werewolf. Monster Hunter is there's a giant fucking lizard that shoots magma out there. Go kill his ass and take his like scales for me, please, to make yourself a lizard sword. And yeah, that'd be that'd be like a cool like that is a cool campaign idea. So it, the if problem, it, if the that problem, was like the main campaign. <laughs> there's no plot to Monster Hunter. The plot is just you go out into random areas and kill wildlife. There's no the American style. There's yeah, basically. There's very <laughs> little. There's not a lot of like. Ju- there's very minimal justifying in the Monster Hunter games why you're doing it. It's very anime in the sense of it's like a tournament arc, but instead you're killing monsters. You're just kind of going out and fighting them, and then you take their scales to make armor and swords and shit. And the hunting part, the like tracking them down, it is there, but it's kind of, it's not the whole game. It's not the focus of the game. The focus of the game is fighting them and all of the like the different things they do and the the weird moves and shit they have. Like the focus is different. And the big thing with Monster Hunter is a lot of the Monster Hunter games, a lot of the feel, a lot of the things that people find appealing is big weapon smash big monster. And that's really, really, uh, I can't think of any way to make that work in a tabletop game because part of the fun of Monster Hunter is the tactile feeling of how it feels to control that game. Like the actual, and I mean very literally, the controls. Like there is a feeling of pressing the button and seeing the big wind up and hitting and getting the big damage and being stuck in your frames of animation and not being able to roll out if you commit too hard to a swing and like the controls of climbing up on a monster's back and shanking him in the head with a knife so he falls over like a lot of monster hunter is actually about the the tactileness of the controls of the game and you don't have a controller in a tabletop game (laughs) so yeah (laughs) You can emulate pieces of Monster Hunter, but I don't you can't really get the whole core of the experience because it's just fundamentally a different thing. And quite frankly, I don't think tabletop games should try to emulate everything under the sun. I think certain things you need to lean in like you should always lean into the strength of the medium you're in, right? The strength of movies is different than the strength of books. So when you're writing a book, you should lean into what you can utilize in a book versus when you're making a movie, you should lean into the strength of a movie. You don't have shot composition in a book, for example, but you don't have dramatic prose in a movie. Monster Hunter, you have the controls. Tabletop, you don't. So you need to rely on the sort of the random chaos nature of tabletop and the sort of uh, the, the fun of of, you know, stats and numbers so it's yeah it's really <laughs> it's very complicated right um and just, it, it oh no go on. yeah i mean I, it's just that's really what it comes out to i just don't i just don't i can't think of any way that you could really do it you again you could do pieces of it but i don't think you could ever get the whole package probably not yeah i mean but, uh, maybe one day i'll be proven wrong but for right now <laughs> yeah I mean, I like the idea. And then thinking about it just from Storm King's Thunder and like we've had a ranger and using that to, again, not exactly a monster hunt, but we have had to track down giants constantly in the game. 
and another thing like you know hunting monsters hunting giant shadows of the colossus I didn't even realize that 5e already had rules for climbing on giant monsters. It does. Built into the game. They're okay. They're not, yeah, they're all they're okay. It's really the problem with the the problem with 5e is the um the way the combat is fundamentally designed is not um uh what's the word I'm looking for? It's not conducive really to to doing the Shadow of the Colossus thing. Me and Isaiah have talked about this a bunch. Like mm. the whole grid based tactical like chessboard combat is just not really conducive to the style of like Shadow of the Colossus climb up on the big monster, hit him in the weak point thing. Like you can kind of do it, but it's kind of clunky and weird. It's yeah. just uh, like you would have to redesign the system. If you wanted it to be like if you wanted it to feel really satisfying, you'd have to design it with that intention in mind from the ground up. It's You can't I, really patchwork it on. I feel on. like uh, I feel like the rules that James Hayek uh, posted. God, it's like oh, D and D Beyond. Now. Yeah, yeah. So the good. like it, it hit the weak point for massive damage rules. Mm. I think those are pretty conducive. Like I haven't used them yet, but they seem pretty intuitive. They seem I, like they would work pretty well. Yeah, I ended up using uh, them on my big bad evil full boss fight for my campaign. It was it was so it, fucking cool. It's cool. The problem is you're still at the end of the day, you're still sort of strapped down by the chessboard grid nature of the combat, you know, like you can't, no, you can't like, ignore that. Uh, I mean, well, he, you can and you puts, can't like, because I like, can ignore descriptions it. and stuff. Yeah. And they're like, what's it doing to hide the weak spot or what can players do on the grid board to like find where the weak point is? Because, you, you know, you could just be like, oh, make a perception check. What if it's like. All right, if the players are staying to the left, they're never going to find the weak point because it's hidden on on the right wing so of the of the dragon, let's say. So they have to go to the right side of the map and then make the perception check or whatever check you want to fucking throw. And then they find the weak spot. And it's like, oh, you because you, you can. Yeah, you have to jump through some hoops, but they're, they're not. It's not that difficult. He's got to add some stuff. Sure. Although then you're getting into the space of uh, like then you're talking about monster facing, which is not in the game by default. Right. So now you're yeah. sort of tacking on side rules to make the thing work, you know? Right. Again, but if you do it I mean, for like one combat or one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, you're sort of already doing that. You are. By yes. nature of homebrewing anything. So like yeah. you are. I'm just saying any in for a pound. The more you the more you have to tack on side things, the clunkier things tend to get. You know what I mean? As opposed to it being part of the plan from the beginning. So, yeah, it's like it can do you can you can do it. And, and keep adding to it, but be aware that there's like a, <laughs> you know, eventually the camel's back will break when you keep dropping those straws on there with no, it's like, you know, reckless abandon. Yeah, yeah, of course. Mm. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, unfortunately, the I, I, I've thought about the Monster Hunter, uh, like the game, like how might you make it work in 5e and like, it just seems like a no-go. Um, and I've, I've thought a lot about trying to do a, a like, hunting-focused campaign. <sighs> Bro, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I, I had an idea a while back of doing a specifically a dragon hunting campaign. Oh, God. You are, you are a team of dragon hunters, and you go out fighting different dragons and trying to hunt them. And, you know, literally doing the monster hunter thing of bringing the scales back and the meat and all that shit and the bones and... Skyrim armoring yourself. 
Yeah, that's a... Mm. That's a whole lot of... You're like, adding yeah. a whole nother layer there, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. So, it's, again, a lot of work on the DM part to, like, make this a thing. I think uh, I just I just need somebody to make a tabletop game where this was, you know, the plan from the beginning. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just need somebody okay. to make the monster hunting tabletop game, and and I just... I haven't seen it yet. And every game that I've thought about how I could try and use this, I keep being like, well... Oh, you could do this and then the, yeah, well, that kind of works. And then, no, oh, this kind of eh. like everything is like close, but no cigar. <laughs> mm. And the only one I've yeah. thought of where I've like been like, I think I could make it work with this game has been Dungeon World. But there's still some stuff in there where I'm like, oh, that that would be annoying. All right, everybody take another shot. Yeah, yeah take another shot. <laughs> it's true, though, because I've thought about wanting because I do want to do a campaign like this. And I am probably going to try at some point to force a square peg in a round hole and make it happen but you know mm. but it won't be but 5e I, <laughs> i'll yeah. tell you that actually now getting back to like the thing of uh because of, of hunting monsters uh, collecting the bit killing monsters collecting bits whatever you want to call it but like i don't know what, what is something that you guys have always wanted to do like hunt a monster fight a monster kill a monster take its pieces back and like make it into either a potion or like cloaks because like in my last campaign uh my buddy chris obsessively asked me for a cloak of displacement and so when i finally gave him the chance for the party to go fight and find displacer beasts hunt them in the fey wild he killed one finally got his cloak it was just like yes finally i got the thing i got this magic i'm always wanted but, like the, the game besides like the cloak of displacement there's not like a lot of good options of like magic items made from other monsters besides like you have dragon scale armor obviously that's going to be the big super shiny important ones yeah but, like mean, besides the cloak of displacement like the fuck like what else you have besides like going out looking at homebrew shit uh, I mean, yeah, you do. You have to look at earlier editions, basically, because yeah. a lot of earlier, like the Draconomicon had fucking oh, everything in it that you would yeah. need. And it I was think there's awesome. Also, I think giant, the potion of giant strengths, I think, are actually made with they are, pieces yeah. of giants. You did a giant's toenail. Giant's toenail. Yeah, fucking yeah. <laughs> grody as shit. Yeah. The the problem with the turning the item into so this is the thing, right? Mm hmm. You have to, like, dig for that information. So if a player is like, I want to make this magic item and you don't know where they could reasonably get the components, you have to, like, dig and dig to try and find something that fits. So, like, for example, the giants thing. If you look at the giant stat block and the giant lore, it does not say that. The only reason Isaiah knows that is because he read the description for the magic item and he read the whole thing. And it mentions at like the very end, there's a giant toenail in there or whatever. So it's like you have right. to kind of dig pretty hard for that information. So it makes it hard when a player wants to do it and you're not really sure what to do. So really, if they wanted that to be a component of the game, which is kind of weird because it seems like they sort of do and they sort of don't. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, the magic item rules in Xanathar is like crafting a magic item oh, does so fucking good. Yeah, so it. Well, no, they're not. <laughs> they're okay. No, fuck you. I disagree. They're, fucking, they're so good. Come on. They're fine. But one of the problems it says is 
oh, uh, your players should have to find, uh, you know, a rare ingredient to make the magical item. But a lot of the magic items, they don't tell you how it would be made. Yeah, that goes into the so, 5e vagueness of like, it's up to the DM. Yeah, it could be so, anything, even a boat. Like, So like, if they wanted that to be a component of the game, what they should have said was, or what they should have done was, on every monster stat block, or not every, but a lot of monster stat blocks, put things that can be harvested from this monster and list out a bunch of shit you could potentially harvest and what magic item it could be used for. There are so many outside sources that do like I actually yeah, I, yeah outside sources why does the game not do it <laughs> oh i know because because i think you're kind of right i think they're like they don't want to fully dip their toes into like harvesting monster bits but the game is about killing monsters so we're just yeah. like ah, we'll maybe give some items but not really go in depth and then if you look at like dm's guild there's so many pdfs like the big one that everyone knows is the uh, Hamun's Harvesting Har uh, Handbook, a complete guide to harvesting and crafting in DD 5e. That's a big one that a lot of fucking people use. It's clearly on the front page of the DMs Guild constantly. Yeah. Uh, I know I've downloaded a bunch of different like PDFs when I use monster hunting rules or like the Sane's Guide to Magic Items, which give a price of every fucking magic item in the game. Well, the DMs Guild. Uh, not DM skill, sorry, the Dungeon Master Guide items. Yeah, it's like, you know, so the, what it says for the Xanathar's rules is uh, an item invariably requires an exotic material to complete it. Uh, this material can range from the skin of a Yeti to the vial of water taken from a whirlpool of the elemental plane of water. Finding the material yeah. should be part of an adventure. And it's like, okay, yeah. sure. I mean, they give a little, a couple examples. So literally, it's like, here's some example ideas, so you can okay. kind of like imagine up your own shit. You know, for some which, of the items, they do. right? For some of the items, that's not too bad, right? Oh, how do I make a bowl of command water elementals? Oh, you have to get some water from the plane of the, you know, from the material plane of water and like cast a, a ritual on it. Sure, okay, yeah, we can make that work. But um, how about when your player wants an all-purpose multi-tool? What the fuck you build that out of? Oh, that's simple. You just gotta kill like eight Modrons, you know? Because <laughs> that's what happened to me, Isaiah. Isaiah, uh, Isaiah, Matt. That's what happened to me is Isaiah wanted to build the Artificer fucking Sonic Screwdriver magic item that is mm -hmm. the all-purpose tool or whatever. Uh, and I was like, I don't... That's the one from Tasha's, right? Yeah. And I was like, right. I, I can't reasonably think of what that might... Like, I, 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 I was like, I don't know where you're gonna find pieces to make that. You I mean, know? Well, so like yeah sometimes it's I mean, fine but yeah but there's also and then there's a bunch of magic items that are like weird weapons or like what do you make mm -hmm. how do you make an alchemy jug like get magical mayonnaise <laughs> like you know what i mean yeah i mean that or like find a like yeah again just spitballing off the top of my head you find a dwarven crafter who's like just a, you know just loves pottery and so he gives you the special clay in order to make sure but then <laughs> the you're not jug. but then you're not doing the monster hunting thing of carving it off the monster to make the material to use the materials well, again, you know certain you will certain yeah you can't i don't know really a monster unless you want to like i don't know a mayonnaise elemental of like you gotta like yeah you gotta kill a fire <laughs> elemental and spill its blood on a pot and then it becomes an alchemy jug and it's like why a fire elemental and yeah like, I don't know, that's what i'm saying so like that's why it's like if you guys want this to be a thing you guys being the designers then ever all the mo like a lot of monster stat blocks should say oh you can use this to turn it into this in the stat block you know that'd be way better there's the one there's that one snail thing um 
What's it? Is it the flail snail? I think it's the flail snail. Yeah, hell yeah. Right? Oh, is my it, players got that. Yeah. Is it? Is it? Is it that one yep. that that says uh, you can like harvest its uh, shell to make like a shield? Right? Yeah, it can make yeah. two or three shields of anti magic or some shit, or, yeah. or one cloak of stars. Yeah. Oh yeah, here yeah. it is. Nuts. Uh, yeah. A flail snail shell weighs about 250 pounds and has numerous uses. An intact shell can sell for 5,000 GP. Many hunters seek the snail for the anti-magic. A skilled armor can make three shields for one shell. Yeah. Oh, three shields. Yeah. Wait, can, why? Can I, can I just tell you? <laughs> huh? I just tell you real quick about one of my players. So they found one early, early in the campaign and didn't have enough money to get it like, you know, broken down into because they wanted to originally turn it into three shields. And so they were trying to save up all the money in order to trade it to a blacksmith who can break it down into three shields. And then as a as a big like lull because they forgot about it, I had a bad guy NPC come in, rob their house and stole it. <laughs> and then when they're like, uh, no, fuck you, Matt. No, we got to go kill him. They went, they killed him, but he already had turned the shell into the cloak of stars. Nice. So uh, they're like, they're like, oh, I was like, guys, you, you, you got your, your, your shell back. I mean, it's a, it's a cloak now. He did the work for you. And they're like, no, man, that's not what we wanted. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fucking funny. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, <laughs> that's what I mean. Sorry, like great, great, right? Like good, great stories like that. <laughs> that shit like the flail snail should be on more monsters or most monsters you know like why does it it doesn't say anywhere on the displacer beast information that you could turn a displacer beast into a cloak of displacement why not it should say that you know like Uh, it should give you rules for how to turn a displacer beast into a cloak of displacement it doesn't say in the in the little lore text in the no Oh shit, I thought I did. No, it doesn't say shit. This is what I'm saying. Oh, the flail snail it gave you very specific, like this is how much it's worth, this is how many shields you can make, right? Like that's great. That's not so it's like, why is that not there in more places? And if you as a player don't or or let's say you're a GM and you're throwing the displacer beast at your players and you don't know the cloak of displacement is an item, right? Like you're not aware of it for whatever reason. Wouldn't it be great if you saw the little text, oh, can be turned into a cloak of displacement, and then you as a GM could go, oh, what's that? And then you look it up and be like, oh, that's a cool magic item. I'll give that to my players if they skin the fucking displacer beast. You know, like, it's just so weird to me that they didn't do it. Like, they did it in, they very occasionally do it, but not, like, they don't commit to it. It's just, just, why? Sort of happens. Yeah, it's so weird to me. I don't understand. <laughs> like, it just yeah i don't know it bugs that that bugs the hell out of me and yes i know yeah. i know oh just use just use homebrew third party dm's guild forehead it's like i don't really feel like fishing through all the homebrew bullshit to do all this i just i would I just mean, like it to work <laughs> yeah i mean if it's honestly if it's on the front page of the dm's guild like if you look at like the ones or it's like oh most popular or most of those nine times out of ten are I know cool. but it's like man I'm already doing so much work I don't want to have to do more work to like True. make the game obey me <laughs> you know I, I, yeah. Yeah, I don't know I don't know how much I agree with that like yeah no it's not really like making the game obey you it's like hey this resource or this part of the game that I really want to engage with is not really well like you know uh, fleshed out so I'm gonna have to find something else 
and you do you know some light googling and eventually you'll have a bunch of people through the DD reddit or other websites or discord servers that will tell you hey this thing has helped me out yeah. flesh out this bit of the game i yes, still a bit of work it still search, work but it's not it's, <laughs> it is I, you know like it, it, i don't know I, I see it this way is like a it's it's at, it's work to add a third party thing onto the existing game is what I mean. It, it is clarify. yeah, but it, like it, for me it's like I think it's the it's the the cost effectiveness because like okay well I can try to figure this out myself, which will take a bunch of cross referencing and going back and forth and, and doing all this work which is doable but like let's be real it's a pain in the ass and I most people don't have the time in the week to do it. Or you can spend 20 minutes online looking some stuff up, checking your three options, maybe takes another 20 minutes. And then you have like you have the thing that might not be perfect and you may have to like futz with based on the setting. But it works pretty well for the most part, you know, like I, I, I see it a lot more time efficient. Yeah, I guess the thing is, I feel like it'll be easier for me to um, like just find a game that cooperates with me better than try and ham fist everything up D&D's asshole. Yes, if you know? you're, if you're looking, yeah. like if no, you're doing it from the get go, I agree. But if you like, if there's a situation there. where you kind of have to change things for a specific scenario, you can't like whole ass change rule sets for one. Oh, fight, oh you're you know? talking about like if you're trying to do it mid campaign. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's yeah, that's different. And I, I, I sort of mean it in like because you're not the you know you're very much. I would rather do it myself because I know exactly what I want. Uh, and that's not like an uncommon opinion I have I, I've seen in like the RPG like you know mind space but I think it, it like there is a very valid reason to just be like I'm just gonna see what someone else came up with and if I don't like any of that then I'll do it my damn self but at least you'll have the like knowledge of what doesn't work for you yeah yeah I suppose there's an argument there I guess I guess for me, I I jump straight to um, like I jump to doing it myself <laughs> first a lot of the time for whatever reason. Like I, I, for, I don't know, for me, I'm like more inclined to take the, to do the work and figure it out myself than like I would rather spend the 30 minutes myself figuring it out than 30 minutes looking for it. You know, which maybe is not. I don't know. That's just kind of how that just tends to be how I lean. I guess. Yeah, like and like I, I don't think it's wrong for for like knowing me though. Like, if I was going to to create a system from scratch, I I it would take me so long because I would I would overthink the shit out of it. Uh. You know, because it'd be like, oh, well, how does this work? How does this work with this? Does that make sense if I implement this thing? What rules are these stepping on the toes of? What am I losing in this? Like, well, it's not. I mean, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, although it's not uh, necessarily um, from scratch. If you are, you know, you are starting with a game. There's that argument there, too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 there's also the like, there's also the very common fear of I spend money on this. What if it sucks balls? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, uh, 
I mean, that's what the previews are for. You read reviews. Oh, I mean, I was going to say, I, I hate to be that guy, mm-hmm. but that's why you... Uh, Yarhar fiddle me, D? No, 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 nothing about the Yarhars, but you share, right? You share the wealth amongst friends. If one yeah. of your friends has mm-hmm. a book that they bought mm-hmm. and you're like, hey, my guy, you got this? And they're like, yeah, it's not great. You're like, okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, um, if you, um, if you have a friend who vouches for the product, that's, you know, that's different or a friend who's, or if oh, you, yes. if you yeah. say to a friend, oh, I'm looking for, for this. Force. Yeah. Yeah. If you say to a friend, I'm looking for this. And then he like slides the book across the table to you. Yeah, sure. That's a different story. Um, yeah, like most of the time, if, uh, cause I, I watch a lot of the, uh, Sly Flourish videos. If he recommends a book, I'm most likely going to look at it as to if like, I don't know, some like, you know, random YouTube comments say it or like random, like you look on the Dungeon and Dragon Instagram and a lot of people are like, oh, did you hear about this book? Yeah. Yeah. Because like, I, you know, trust the source. Well, well, semi trust the source, I suppose. Yeah. Speaking of trusted sources, I don't don't know know if you guys have actually heard of them or like seen them, but I wanted to try Mr. Rex's. uh, He has like a a monster bits to make items and like abilities and shit, and I really wanted to try that (laughs) out. And this is the perfect time to ask: Have you guys like seen it? Have you looked into it all? You know, I haven't. I didn't know that. Did you? You didn't even have to ask me that. I say, you know, I. Well, I know you don't watch him, but like maybe you had heard of it through the grapevine. Matt, I know you watch him like I do. I I do watch him. Yeah, I know. I actually haven't heard. I'm gonna take a look at it now. I I have so many different PDFs from like all over the place that I have for like if I need player style harvest monsters, and it's simple like thing, so I don't need to go too in depth with it, and I kind of just use that and say whatever. Um, but yeah, no, maybe I'll, I'll check it out. Is always you know, always looking for new things, new inspirations, and get and get the ideas flowing and pumping. Uh, like one thing actually, I've I've been using a lot recently. Whenever players are like fighting monsters, researching monsters, whether and you can use this as a good example if you are planning DMs out there for like you know the players have to go hunt a monster. Uh, in Tasha's guide, the whole parlaying with monsters, it's a lot of cool like little information on like. All right, researching a creature, what kind of checks? There's a difference between researching a dragon and researching a fae. Uh, you know, monsters' desires. What are these monsters more likely to, like, you know, want? So if you're, like, hunting an owlbear, it's like, all right, well, owlbears like fucking, you know, they like meat. I'll go find some meat somewhere. So that doesn't those are pretty helpful for at least me. Me, me, trying desperately to pull things away from 5e. Matt, constantly pulling in the other direction. <laughs> That's right. Get back there. You get back here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I'm I, stuck in my hole. I like it here. It's comfortable. It's like <laughs> me trying, trying so deeply uh, to, 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 I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Oops. <laughs> uh, trying to have some diversity in, in the situation. And Matt says, no. No, no, not no, no diversity here, brother. We can't do that. Uh. <laughs> Isaiah pulls out a bat. Oh, no. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, actually, oh, shit. Actually, this randomly can't. So, oh, would no. you guys consider, like, so obviously, like, monster hunting, you know, go, and, go out, investigate, all that jazz, into the woods. 
what if you wanted to do that for like an urban environment would you guys consider like bounty hunting like a form of monster hunting like yeah, hey yeah, there's an so. evil wizard in the city go find them and it's like ah shit I, I don't even think you have to go like so fantasy right for, for doing like urban it's like you know where's the crime lord or you know the 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 hookup the distributor whatever you want to call it like where's this guy where has he been what are the places he likes to hang out at uh who does he talk to shit like that like i i very much expect us to be doing that in vampire the masquerade at some point when we eventually get back and sam stops trying to create that chaos god in the warp yeah i mean so from a like (laughs) if you want to be really technical about it is hunting the wizard like monster hunting no however thematically mechanically fun wise absolutely yes hunting doing a bounty hunt you know fucking tracking a bitch down in blades in the dark you know uh uh, hunting a hunting a goblin in urban shadows fucking looking for the looking for the orc camp in in the in the fucking 40 on the 40k planet like yeah all that is is the same at the end of the day like we were saying before the important part is that journey component and as long as you have that focus on the journey component then then you know from a from a thematic from a vibe standpoint if you will the vibe is the same right like the target is different but the vibe the feel check (laughs) it passes the vibe check it's the same kind of thing there's not a lot of difference like if you're playing in a post-apocalypse game you know you can have your players hunt down a wanted murderer uh and like you know or like a guy in the wasteland who everybody wants to get rid of and it can be exactly the same as your players hunting down a griffin right like there's really no difference other than the target and like what you murder it with <laughs> you know at the end of the day it's the same kind of feel so yeah you could totally do that yeah and in fact it in a, in an urban style game might actually be a little bit easier to keep that campaign tonally on the same track than something like D&D because of because you don't have that as crazy of a ramp up <laughs> you know right. I mean I, I said urban mostly because I'm I'm thinking of warranty but yeah you can do it in like modern settings <laughs> god damn it Matt <laughs> Sorry, it's I did. Matt's like, what about water deep and being Isaiah? Thing I say I, is y'all saw me try, right? <laughs> yeah, y'all no, I did. I did. I, I was like, mm, Vampire the Masquerade. Vampire the Masquerade. Uh huh. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking. That's an you know, I'm in the new boy chair. We sitting Bro, in five. Years. I'm about to <laughs> strap about a metric ton of fucking dynamite to the big boy chair. My brain, yeah, my brain funny. went straight to fucking um, like you know, New York City. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Oh, Matt's like, oh, I meant water deep. <laughs> I fucking yeah. cannot with you. So I, I can't help it. This is uh, where my brain goes. So, um, I will say, okay, so Matt, hey, smack his nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the other thing too. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know, Matt. Did you have a? Did you have somewhere else no, you were no, going? Go, go, go. What were you gonna say? Okay, so this is the other funny thing about the whole idea of the monster hunt, right? Because so are you guys familiar with I know Isaiah you've heard of this game I know neither of you have played it but uh, uh, I guess I'm asking Matt are you familiar with Monster of the Week that's a video game or no it's a a tabletop game Monster of the Week no I've never heard of it I've heard the saying Monster of the Week but so Monster of the yeah so Monster of the Week the saying is talking about game uh, shows like um, 
uh, fucking what's it called? Supernatural? No, Supernatural. Uh, Power Rangers, oh. kind of. Yeah, I guess Power Rangers too. Yeah, Monster of the Week just means there's a bad guy for the one episode. Real quick, real quick. I like that we all said completely different shows. You said uh, Supernatural. Supernatural. I said X Files. He said Power Rangers. X Files is <laughs> X Files is a good one too. Um, I do like that we all had different answers, but I like that me and Josh had very very similar answers. Yeah, and Matt was just fucking. <laughs> nope. Well. I will that's say the first, that's the first time I ever heard that term too. <laughs> yeah, Power well, Power Rangers. Rangers does do the Monster of the Week format because all that format is is, you know, we're fighting one monster for one week, and the week is one episode. You know, um, but <laughs> the funny thing is, I said Supernatural. I've never even watched that show, uh, but I, you know, I know what it is, obviously. Yeah, my, my family's obsessed with it. Yeah, so you know, the thing, uh, so monster, yeah, monster of the week. It's it's yeah, it's it's a it's a writing term, and the game is indeed named after the writing term. Um, the game itself is uh, Scooby Doo, by the way, also monster of the week. Uh, and the reason I mentioned Scooby Doo is because monster of the week is like, what if we took Scooby Doo and gave Shaggy a gun? <laughs> is, There's actually a comic about that. It's a it's like a weird. A weird post-apocalypse Scooby-Doo where they're my, it's fine. I'm sorry. I just reminded me of that. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Um, but you yeah. have this art of the tentacle monster uh-huh. with giant teeth grabbing people and then in the background just a little girl fucking psychic blasting the shit out of it in the uh, back. Yeah, that, 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 that's, a, that, that's a playbook. You can play like a psychic character. That is nice. Um, but yes. Use mind blast. Yeah, it's like, what if you, yeah, you gave Shaggy a gun and Scooby a broadsword and Fred a fucking AK-47. Like, it's basically, it's, it's supernatural, right? There, There's a weird monster or something happened. We're hunting down the monster for the week. And the idea for the RPG is, you know, generally it's supposed to be one or two sessions per monster for the most part. Obviously, you can fuck with that, but, you know, that's kind of like the idea. The funny thing about Monster of the Week and this is why I said, Matt, those uh, the the what you said was being nitpicky is is actually relevant here because Monster of the Week is actually not a very good monster hunting game. Heard this. Yeah. Despite the name and the, th- and the tone and the, the, the vibe, actually not a very good monster hunting game. And you might be thinking, well, then. yeah, you might be thinking, yeah. Why? <laughs> Because Monster of the Week is is supposed to play like Power Rangers. Mm. At what point did the Power Rangers have to hunt down or investigate the monster or the enemy? Literally uh, never. I mean, yeah. Literally no, never. They go to, the, <laughs> they go to the, and yeah. the bad guys just there gloating. Yeah. yeah, the bad oh, guys there. Well, you actually, fight the bad guys. If guy. you watch Power Rangers SPD, they very specifically have some detective work. There's a some... little bit of it, yes, from time <laughs> to time. <laughs> but for the I, most part, I hate that you didn't even be like, "Shut the fuck up, nerd." You just agreed with me. Well, I mean, I, I've, I've watched <laughs> SPD. I know what you're talking about. I do, and I do like SPD. You're not wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, it, there's a little bit of it, but for the most part, Power Rangers is like, oh. You know, the formula of Power Rangers. Oh, we're doing the teenage high school thing. Oh, no, a dude shows up. Oh, we're going to fight the putties, but not Power Ranger up yet. Oh, no, the real monster showed up. Now we Power Ranger up and beat his ass. And now he's big. Now we get the Megazord, right? That's always the vibe. The vibe check is always that that general flow. Monster of the Week is more like Power Rangers in that the point of the game is not the complicated investigation. The point of the game is 
uh, the museum, the museum security guards got murdered in the night. We need you guys to like figure it out. You go to the location, you get a couple of clues, you find out where the monster is, you fight the monster. The point of the game is to focus on the group dynamic and the sort of overcoming the challenge of the the scary thing or whatever. Um, and much like D&D Monster of the Week has a move in it that basically just tells you all the information you need to know with one single roll. So because you just solve the problem with one roll, it's it's not a very good investigation game. But it is a good monster killing game, but it's not a good monster hunting game. And that's where you're getting that funky. That's what I mean, where it's like it seems pedantic, but it's kind of not pedantic. And if you want to try and figure out, will this game be good for a monster hunting style game? You have to really. You got to dig a little deep and you got to know what you're looking for. It's it's tricky. You know what I mean? So you're saying I should just take Monster of the Week and just slam it into my 5e. No. Not saying this. You're saying that I'm going to murder you. (laughs) To to, to give you an example of what I'm talking about. So in Monster of the Week, one of your moves is investigate a mystery. This is the investigation move. By the way, every other single move in the game has nothing to do with investigating. This is the only investigation move. There's one. Hey, what the fuck? Yeah. There's one investigation move. And what this does is when you investigate a mystery, roll plus your sharp. That's a stat. On a 10 plus, you get two hold. On a seven to nine, you get one hold. One hold can be spent to ask the keeper, which is what the GM's called, one of the following questions. What happened here? What sort of creature is it? What can it do? What can hurt it? Where did it go? What was it going to do? What is being concealed here? So basically, you can rock up, roll your dice. If you get over a 10, you can just say, what kind of creature is it and where did it go? And then the GM will say, it's a werewolf. It went downtown. And then you go downtown and fight the werewolf. Right? There's not really a lot of investigating there. You're just doing the role to sort of get the answers. So that's that's where it becomes that, that fine. It's a fine line. Don't get me wrong. It is a very fine line. But that that's kind of what I mean about the move just answers the problem for you. D&D has a similar thing where, you know, GM, is there any trapdoors? Roll investigation. No, there's no trapdoors, right? You don't really have to. That's generally, that's about it. That's usually all you have to do. Comma, unless you're playing older editions. Right? Because mm-hmm. older editions, when you entered the room in the dungeon, you were expected as a player to very thoroughly describe, I checked the shelf. The GM tells you there's towels on the shelf. I check under every towel. The GM says there is nothing under the towels on the first shelf. I check the second shelf. I check with I check under the towels on the second shelf. The GM tells you, ah, you should have checked with your 10 foot pole because on the second shelf, there's a snake under the towels. You get bit for 12 poison damage. You know, like in older editions, you were expected basically to describe and take it very slow and be really thorough, which is. Yep more of what I'm talking about, you know? And it was like, you only rolled in older editions when it was like for a very specific purpose. You know, like it had to, it was like, you like disarming a trap was a roll because the rogue had an ability that was for disarming traps. You know, that was like, that was when you made rolls. Checks were like not as much of a thing, but nowadays they're more of a thing. So 
you know, you could essentially run your 5e game like that if you wanted. You just have to kind of, you know, get hit it from the get go. Yeah, you you got to hit it from the get go. You got to get that player buy in early because otherwise your players are going to be like, what do you mean? The perception check doesn't tell me everything I need to know, (laughs) you know? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely fallen into that into that problem. Yeah, that I'm God, I'm almost I mean, I'm not almost I'm two and a half years in ish. And uh, yeah, like when I when I try to be like, we're going to change up the system. My players are obvious, like obviously like what, what are you talking about? Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. uh huh. Yeah, it's hard to do. It's an idea. <laughs> it's 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 yeah, really I talked to them before. It's hard. Yeah, it's really hard to do in the middle of a campaign when you've sort of established this is how we do things, you know, and then to be like, all right, well, we're going to do things very differently all of a sudden. It's like, even if it's a really cool idea, even if players are really on board with your cool idea, it's real tricky to be like, all right, just drop everything we were doing before. We're going to do a new thing now, you know, or maybe not drop everything, but drop a lot of the preconceived notions you had from before. We're doing it differently now, you know, and I don't really know. I, I like there probably is a way to make it, uh, you know, make that transition work, but I can't think of anything. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, let, let me know if you all have any success with that at some point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will definitely give it a I'm definitely going to have to give it a try because uh, uh, Matt, uh, I'm not going to say anything because our editors in my game, but that stat block you sent me. Uh, Oh no! Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm merging the original and that one together, and I might be giving it some extra goodies. Extra, yeah, oh, uh, extra. Thing. It's gonna get. I told I told Josh about it yesterday. It's a little mean, <laughs> but in a fun way. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a piss take at some point, and you know, there there's six of them, and they're level eleven, and they've got Bro. three high level NPCs. Oh, the players. I'm sorry. Players. I thought you were talking about the thing. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, no. <laughs> Yo, can oh, you imagine if I, if I six, six of, of those fucking things at my play? Yo, bro. bro. Wild. Uh, that would actually be a fucking piss take. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be a big kind of funny. Of them, and then <laughs> I throw six of them and then the fucking five get killed by a meteor. <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh. Yes. I'm very excited to see how that goes. You know, it either it'll die like a bitch or it's going to collapse so many cheeks. <laughs> yeah, I you know, I, I, ju- I just remembered something. <laughs> so a little while ago, uh, the the lovely Dale Kingsmill uh, YouTube channel, Monarch Factory, who I've mentioned many times before. Um, she did a series of videos. I think I told you about this one. I say she did a couple of videos about uh fighting a specific rather famous monster in D&D and how she would make it like more interesting, more iconic. She did one on a dragon. She did one on a beholder and she did one on a displacer beast. And the video she did on a displacer beast was she was basically like, well, if you want to make a displacer beast sort of um, fun and iconic, probably your best bet is to make it uh, like hunting a wild, like hunting an actual jaguar, right? Like imagine if you're in the African savanna hunting a jaguar or a lion or something like that, right? Because it's a displacer beast. It's a weird panther monster. That makes sense. So she essentially designed this crazy mini game where there was it was a it was a three by three grid 
and this placer beast would move one square and then the players could move with one square and it was like you were taking turns and moving the displacer beast throughout the area and then the players could go into the various squares and make checks to try and figure out what direction the displacer beast was going in and then they could try and cut it off so it couldn't uh, run away from them right and it was really cool like fun idea for how to make this interesting mini game to like make the hunting you know hunting a crazy magical animal aspect interesting and especially because a displacer beast is you know literally a giant cat the problem is like we were just saying before you know if you were not doing something like that prior it might be a little tricky to get your players on board for this crazy mini game you've designed for one boss fight you know what i mean mm-hmm and so it's like, man, I might like to do that, but how do I get everyone to buy in? Yeah. Oh, my God. You want to talk about how to buy in? Uh, so I, I like skill challenges in my games. Uh-huh. I, I like the idea of them. I like when I like see them executed well. Can I tell you that I've I think I've done five or six skill challenges in my game and they have always felt like such a nightmare to run. And I don't know why, I don't know what I'm, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. They feel terrible. And like, I, it feels like my players aren't too into it. Like boring Uh, or like, no, just like, you know, I, I give them the usual, like everyone can make us, uh, you have to, you have to make X amount of successes before you make X amount of fails. Mm -hmm. Uh, each, you know, you can only do one kind of check one. So only one of you can do investigation. Only one of you can do this. Only one of you can do that. Mm Uh, and I, I just I feel like the first two people because you know I guess they have the most options they go really well and then it just stalls out so bad and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing wrong maybe I'm not describing it enough maybe I'm not maybe it's part- a situation question mark? maybe uh, yeah like I know one of them I had to just retcon it because like it was a, oh fuck really yeah because I, I really hadn't thought it through enough I thought it was something that I could do on the fly as opposed to something I had to kind of like think oh through oh god no yeah. and it ended in disaster so I, I literally was like alright y'all like what what's the what is the thing Matt Kelvin says fair game like mm-hmm. yeah I, I basically I just call fair game be like you know what this is on me I'm not gonna punish you guys because I bollocks to this uh, skill checkup so we'll 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 call it for the night and try this again next week and with, with actual uh, so... with some real rules in there yeah, I, yeah. When, whenever I do a skill challenge, I I literally go do the what Matt said in his videos, where like he goes in for every skill that the players like are proficient in. I come up with a scenario of like, all right, how do they succeed with that skill? Mm-hmm. Most of the time, parties aren't going to have every single skill proficiency, so you, there's a couple you don't have to do, which is nice. Like, let's say you're playing a game and no one has animal handling, then that's mm-hmm. one skill that you don't have to worry about. That's way you know, more work than I do. It's, it's kind of rough because yeah. if you only allow them to use skills they're proficient in, it, it kind of kills the like, just try shit, throw shit at the wall. Because uh, like, while limitations are good, skill checks innately don't have much of a groundwork to start with. So uh, if you... Wait, what? Well, like, there's no... The, the the idea of a skill check being like be creative to solve the problem mm-hmm. you're you're sort of I'm trying to how do I you're making a skyscraper with weak foundations you know what I mean like you, you don't have enough underneath it to start implying all these rules because you're just making the camel's back easier to break 
part of me feels like I I disagree, but I'm trying to think of like because I'm looking at like the player's handbook stuff and they give like again this is what a skill challenge means which again they don't really say skill challenge or not skill challenge sorry they don't say skill check in 5e it's an ability check because anytime a book says like make an arcana check they don't just say that they say make a intelligence arcana check and then you know they do the same thing with every fucking skill so it's never a skill check it's always an ability check but I don't know. I feel I feel like it's pretty like fleshed out enough that again the DM can jump off of, and you know the players and the and the DM can like think of creative ways to do certain skills if you want to run a skill challenge or if you're asking for an ability check. But maybe I don't know. Maybe, no, no. Maybe so, so that that part I agree with you with. It's it's the uh, only letting players use checks that they're proficient in because if if you have a situation where a party has several overlapping skills and you do the whole like the, the pretty common one right which is like each player can only do one kind of skill once like you all can't if you're trying to, to stop a bomb from going off you can't all try to hack the computer right yeah so it, it, you know it, if you, you have like one major limitation which is only one kind of skill per use mm-hmm. and then you have the only skills you're proficient in that then they go like well all three of us have per, per proficiency in, in in investigation. What do we do? You know. And then you have the one person's like, uh, "Well, the problem is I have it, proficiency in animal handling. This is fucking useless." You know. So for me, I usually just let them throw whatever the fuck at the wall, and I'll adjust the DC accordingly. That's the easy part. Yeah. But like the, uh, it's the, the 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 effect of the right. Like they do a thing. What is the effect of that? So, like, the one that went really wrong for me was they were trying to, uh, they were trying to fix a failing cryotube. Like, there was a character frozen in ice, and they were trying to save him, uh, because the thing was failing. And, like, I was trying to figure out, like, what each thing would do, what the skills would correlate to in the moment, and how that would affect things. And if they failed certain things, how would that affect other things? And it just, I just sort of drowned in it, you know? We're right, definitely right. not on the topic of Monday Monster. Although we kind of no, are. No, it's right? fine. I was going to say, we've gone into an interesting, uh, a little bit of a interesting yeah. rabbit hole. Although skill challenges are a good way to kind of do the the monster hunting thing. Mm-hmm. It's not useless. Huh. I want to posit a question on you, though, Isaiah. So you say you don't feel like the skill challenge situation is working. Did you? What about the skill challenges we've done in my game that you were a participant in? Did those also feel not great no those felt fine i don't know what it is like maybe you know maybe for me it, i find them easier because i'm a really like proactive player like i will just throw literally everything in this kitchen sink at the wall to get what i want yeah so maybe you need like a very specific kind of player and your if your character players are more reactive you, it might maybe that's my problem my, a lot of my players are really reactive about things which i mean know, isn't a problem at all, but it, it does sort of uh, change the way you have to think well, about it's a problem for problems. this scenario. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it. I think if you don't have. Yeah, if you don't have uh, skill challenges require you to sort of do require you to tackle the problem on your own. And because the GM basically goes, here's the problem. What are you doing? Uh, so, yes, you your players do need to be proactive about it, which is absolutely part of it. I think the other thing to keep in mind, though, is the situation 
needs to be skill challenges tend to work best if the situation is the kind of thing that you can tackle from lots of angles if the situation is too tightly focused you're not really doing a skill challenge you're just maybe doing a couple of a sort of series of checks or something like that because so like the cryo tube example you just gave that probably isn't really a skill challenge situation because it's really focused and only probably one person could one to two people could reasonably do anything about it so it becomes this kind of like no one knows what to do because it, it probably should have just been a couple of checks in a row from one or two people um, mm. the difference would be if if it's like oh the cryo tubes breaking and leaking nitrogen also the room is on fire now you've broadened the situation out some players can deal with the cryo tube situation some players can try and debate the fire or try and find an exit right I think that's a big part of it is, is sort of widening things out yeah yeah that, that's so definitely you a bit I, I can you know I could because you gotta you gotta be able to come at it from multiple angles, right? Because that's the point of a skill challenge is you can is there's lot there's multiple ways to solve the problem, so it yeah. has to be open enough. Which yeah, and I <laughs> I thought I was because I you know it was it's because I saw it as the, the the a lot of the 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 archetypes for my players of the party, right? It's like you have the mechanic, you've got the scientist or the tinkerer, the medic, the firebird. Uh, the Bravo, basically, and the Hunter. So I figured that it's like a scientific, mechanical, medical, and potentially because it's an ice problem, the person who's special with fire, like whose whole thing is fire, would be really good. Which would, you know, leave me with with two blanks that I couldn't do much with. But if they were like willing to posit an idea, I'd be willing to help. Or if they wanted to like assist with a check. Sure. Um, I think the problem but maybe with, it's because I, I was too specific. I yeah, I told them that there were options, but in my head, I had like an idea of what I wanted them to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's definitely part of it. You don't want to uh, come up with too many. You can come. You're going to come up with a, a, a few by, you know, it's impossible not to come up with a few in your head. Right. Like that's just going to happen. Um, but yes, you don't want to have too many. Uh, solutions that you're too in love with that definitely causes a problem but the other thing with that scenario is the you know the, like the cryo tube thing is like I can't think of a way for example of reason I can't think of a good reasonable way that more than only like two people could really help that scenario right because it's such a focused thing like we need to fix this one specific thing i can't think of how multiple people could really get in on that so i think that's part of the issue there and then yeah if you came up with a bunch of solutions preemptively in your head and got a little too married to them that could definitely like lay on top of the problem you know like for example uh if you remember you guys had to rescue the like civilians from that one burning building in my game not that long ago mm. uh I didn't really have any notion about how you were going to go about it. The only thing is I know the objective was get the civilians out of the building and I was going to let you do it basically however the fuck you wanted. And one of the ideas I thought of was, oh, Kai could shatter the wall and make a big opening, which he did not do, which is fine. But I was an idea I had, but I wasn't married to it to the point where I said no to other stuff, you know? And then mm -hmm. when you were like, can I just run the fuck in there? I was like, yeah, sure. Go for it. 
Yo, so, I, I fucking, I bet you LP is super hyped to hear that because I, in my head, I was like, this man gonna bring this fucking building down if he shatters. I swear <laughs> to God, I'll kill him. Yeah, no, it was definitely a thing I thought of. Um, but yeah, it's like the the trick with that scenario is the goal is get the people out. The method for reaching that goal is really open ended. You know, like there's lots of ways you could potentially get the people out of the building. You know. And it's not too complicated of a scenario where you're you're like, like, it's not so complex that you couldn't reasonably think of solutions, you know, like if you start getting really nitty gritty, it becomes hard to think of solutions. If the situation becomes more and more like, you know, becomes more complex, it gets more specific, then it becomes harder to think of solutions, you know, so being like. You have to rescue the people from the burning building out of this one specific window and they have to land on this barrel of hay. It's like, all right, now we're starting to get too specific. Now there's too many constraints as opposed to just get them out. You know what I mean? So I'm wondering if that's maybe part of your problem. Maybe. And then in a monster hunting context. (laughs) There we go. uh, Because I I did have this thought, um, you know, don't you you can't say to your play like you can't be uh it can't be a situation where you say all right the players need to the players have to study the basilisk blood in order to figure out how to defeat the basilisk what you have to like right that's too specific but instead to make it fun and satisfying and to make it feel like everybody else is having a uh like an effect and a chance you have to say um you know, the players need to discover that the basilisk has a specific weakness. How they do it, you could use its blood, you could use its saliva, maybe there's a hint in what it ate, right? Like, you could kind of keep a couple of options in your brain floating around. And then when the skill challenge comes up and they're doing the hunting and the investigating, you could be open to potential solutions they throw towards you. And that's how you make that going. And again, that's going from the unknown, or going from the known to the unknown, uh, we know there's a problem. What is the problem? All right, now we're learning what the problem is. Now we're back into the known area. You know? So, yeah, it's like... Yeah, you just can't constrain it too much, I think is is the probably the biggest um, key. If, if Not being in your game, so I, I'm, I'm kind of guessing, but, you know sort of taking just, just stream a video for us and we will judge uh no and we'll... <laughs> no no i ain't why me, me and josh will watch your video i'm not we'll... sitting there watching isaiah's will, session for four hours that's weird to continue or we will say stop and then seriously you must stop or penalties will be enforced or you will be shot no one if no one gets that tenacious the reference thank you Oh, no, I did. I did, I did not. I know. I know. I figured no one would. Uh, actually, so uh, running, running back around too with monster hunting and stuff. Thinking about the, you, we've all seen. You guys have seen the Z Bashu video, the making monsters more witchery. No. Right. No. No. Um. So Z Bashu, really good D and D YouTube animator. Uh, he made a video on like trying to make monsters more witchery, on like trying to do like a monster hunting type of deal. And I feel like this is kind of like getting into monster hunting, but also just monster design in general. 
Because I feel like more monsters should be like this, where he was saying, like, make monsters a little harder, give them a couple extra resistances, but then give every fucking monster a vulnerability. And it's like, do you guys feel like, kind of like, side tangent, also, do you feel like monsters should be like that? Like, more monsters should have, like, more resistances, but, like, have a weakness, like a general weakness, like... I think he gave an example of like an under umber hulk in the video mm -hmm. and i forgot exactly what the weakness it was maybe it was radiant damage because um, under umber hulks are mostly like under dark dwelling creatures and the light and everything so like, that would help with a monster design in general for 5e or and in monster hunting like you're going out tracking a creature you find it you do some research on its favorite food all that jazz and then you fight them when you get to the fight of the monster and the monster's tough as nails. Hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Um, I don't know if I want to get into the whole, um, would this help five E monster design in general? Because that feels like a bigger can of worms that needs its own, <laughs> episode. Yeah, its own episode. Yeah. Or I guess but, just, do you do you like the idea for so, monster hunts of, buffing the monsters i guess just to yeah so the topic. thing okay so here's the thing if you want to do it for the monster hunt thing i get what he's getting at right because yes if you want to make your game more witchery then yes giving all of your monsters a specific vulnerability you know radiant damage fire damage bludgeoning you know, so on and so forth that that is a thing that happens in the witcher that will that is a thing that will sort of reinforce the vibe there's a couple of things you got to keep in mind though first of all vulnerability and resistances they're not that exciting because they're really binary right once you find out the skeleton is weak to radiant damage you're just going to use your radiant damage thing and that's all that's going to happen right maybe one or two turns you'll try and figure it out and then once you figure it out it's back to business as usual because the vulnerability and resistance um you know uh system within 5e is very binary it's either yes or no right so it's not yeah. too terribly complicated mm -hmm. so yes it'll be fun when your cleric hits the you know hits the uh umber hulk with searing flame and then oh shit the umber hulk got that double radiant damage and freaked out it'll be cool for a turn and then your cleric will be excited to be like yeah i can use my radiant shit but once you figure it out business goes back to normal so there's that the other thing is because a lot of monsters are not because there's not that many monsters with vulnerabilities in 5e right now the balancing is you know the balancing assumes when you're fighting a skeleton that the skeleton isn't necessarily well a skeleton's a bad example because they're weak to bludgeoning so let's go with the umber hulk example instead you know the game assumes when you're fighting the umber hulk that the umber hulk does not have any vulnerabilities right that's part oh, of yeah. its, uh, you know, so part of its assumed power level is you're not hitting it with any kind of double damage. Mm -hmm. Comma, however, if you start throwing in vulnerabilities on creatures that didn't have it before, you could run into some kind of funky balancing issue where a monster that would normally be kind of scary is suddenly kind of a punk ass bitch, you know? Like, right. for example, if you're fighting mind flayers and then suddenly the mind flayers are weak to fire damage, they're not so tough no more, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you got to make it a, you know, to the story of the monsters. So, like, yeah, fire resistant mind flayers a little weird. 
fire vulnerable, but, um, but yeah, that was just vulnerable. Sorry. I'm just saying yeah, because yeah. fire damage is really common. So if you made uh, <laughs> mind flayers weak to fire damage, you get into this. You sort of unintentionally nerf mind flayers. Right. You know? Well, that's uh, where kind, I, well, in, so I, real yeah, quick. Well, sorry. Right. I, I think the uh, this is where the, the Z Bashu thing comes into play really well, where it's like that's literally what I'm talking about. Oh, are you? My bad. I bro, yeah. my brain is fucking fried right now. No, it's all good. What, what were you going to say? Uh, that, I well, do have some for the Zivastri video as well. Yeah, well, I, I, we're probably going to say the same thing then, right? Which is, uh, the vulnerabilities might make it look like a punk bitch, but if you make it resistant to all physical damage, then that barbarian, the, everybody else other than the druid who has conjure flame, well, the, kind of fucked in it. Like, <laughs> well, I think he says in the video, it's like, give it like three or four Resistances. extra resistances yeah. and then one specific vulnerability so so which yeah like yeah. if it's something like fire damage then it's like uh dm can i wrap uh out a cloth over my great sword and then light it on fire with some oil and some shit can i do fire damage then and it's like yeah sure you know it's monster hunt yeah sure Maybe. and um, yes that's a thing you can do and and that's fine um all I'm saying is you just have to keep those sorts of things in mind. I'm not saying that they're good or bad. I'm just saying you have to be aware when you start fucking with resistances and vulnerabilities, you start potentially, not always, but potentially fucking with balance, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. However, I think there's a better way to do this. And the game kind of already does it. Just not that often. Mm. So rather than say, ah, uh, this creature is weak to fire damage or maybe this creature uh is like if you grapple it it's it it can't break out right like give it rather than something like that where it's like a very binary this bad instead what i think you should do is give monsters either powerful abilities or powerful nerfs based on tactics so a good example is the Banshee. Mm. So you know how there's the Banshee's Whale, right? An ability that a lot of people mention. Yeah. Right. So the Banshee Whale, Banshee lets out a whale. Everybody makes a DC 13 con save. If you fail, you're fucked. Right. However, there's a caveat to that ability, uh, which is that if the Banshee is out in sunlight, she can't use that ability. Uh, it's uh, where the fuck is it? Of course, now I'm trying to read and talk at the same time, which is a bad idea. But right, because it makes because like how many games are you fighting a banshee in broad daylight that's not out in the dark woods or in a dungeon or a graveyard or some shit? I don't think I've ever heard of, of well, someone fighting yes. a you know a ghost or anything in broad daylight. So, oh yeah, oh it's part of the yeah the banshee releases a mournful wail provided she isn't in sunlight, and yes. Sure, Matt. But the thing is, if your players find that information out now, right? Like, let's say they find out, oh, the Banshee can't use her whale in sunlight. So now we have a little bit of a leg up because she can't use her most dangerous ability if we could get her in sunlight. Now the players say, okay, well, now that we know that, rather than just a binary, oh, it's weak to fire damage, so we're just going to hit it with Firebolt a lot. Now, instead, we say, oh, it's weak. It has a specific weakness that nerfs a specific ability. We have to change our whole tactics to try and get it to be in sunlight. 
So maybe somebody casts sunlight or maybe we wait till the daytime. Maybe we lure it out of the dungeon. Like all of a sudden now there's new layers to the fight. There's new strategy they have to implore. And that is generally going to be more interesting than just saying, oh, it's weak to this or resistant to that. You know what I mean? What about uh, what about like auras? Like if a monster has like, you know, if you touch the monster, Aura, you take damage yeah. or something. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's a good one, too. Or another good example is the Bodak. Hmm. Oh, uh, the meaner banshee. <laughs> yeah, the Bodak takes five radiant damage if it starts its turn in sunlight. Mm. And also the other thing is right. So you're like, oh, well, that's just a weakness. And you're like, that's just, you know, that's the same as vulnerability. Comma. However, the Bodak has the aura of annihilation, <laughs> right? The aura of annihilation. If you're within 30 feet of it, it deals necrotic damage to you. So now you have to play those two things against each other to try and be like, all right, can we get it in sunlight and also try and not get killed by the aura? You know what I mean? So I think that's the more interesting way to go about it is rather than just throwing out vulnerabilities, give them weird like, you know, in sunlight, it can't do this when it's on fire. Trolls is another one. When they're on fire, they can't regenerate, right? That is more, that's a little bit more fun and interesting than just saying you deal double damage, you know? Mm. Um, But my favorite one, I feel like Isaiah probably knows what I'm about to say, uh, but I mentioned my favorite monster and it's only CR one half. Do you know what it is, Isaiah? Usually, maybe. Right now, no. (laughs) Okay. The Skulk. What the fuck is that? Oh, the invisible. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. This thing's funny. This thing is fucking dope. You might say, well, why? And I will tell Well, let me tell you. The skulk is invisible. Permanently, like an invisible stalker. You're like, oh, okay. well, that's not that interesting. Comma. You can circumvent the skulk with three different methods. One, humanoid children under the age of 10 can see the skulk. The skulk appears in reflective surfaces like mirrors. And the what's the other one? The uh, oh, yeah, the skulk appears as a dim, translucent form in the light of a candle made by fat rendered from a corpse whose identity is unknown. Granted, what the fuck does that even that that, that one's basically what that's saying is if you make a candle (laughs) from if you dig up some guy's grave and you make a candle out of his fat, you can use it to see the skull. Granted, uh, is that a little wacky? Absolutely. But that takes suddenly the enemy, right? This enemy is really dangerous because it's CR one halves, right? So if you're level one and you're fighting like maybe two of these things, but they're permanently invisible, pretty dangerous, right? Pretty hard to deal with. Also, it does 1d4 plus four slashing and 1d6 necrotic damage. So it deals quite a bit of damage at, le- at CR one half. So you're like, fuck, this thing's really hard to deal with. It only has 18 hit points, though. So if you can reveal it and 14 AC, which is not that high. So if you can see it, you can kill it pretty fast, but you have to be able to see it, right? So that's a more interesting way to do the monster weakness, because it's like, no, it's not just it's weak to a type of damage or it do- takes double damage or whatever. Now it's like, no, we have to, like, find a child protect this kid and then have the kid tell us where the monster is while we're fighting right like now you're in this whole other level of like crazy and then imagine if you will i want to use this monster so bad i'm going to at some point in my life imagine if you will you're going in and uh you know 
you're investigating like, oh, this person got killed. Nobody's seen any tracks. Nobody saw a culprit. All they have is the dead guy with slash marks in his chest. Nobody knows what happened. Like nobody saw anything because this thing's invisible. And then some little 10 year old girl is like, I saw something. You're like, what? And then the little 10 year old child has to or like maybe even younger. Maybe they're really like maybe they're like five. So they barely even know what's going on. So this little five year old has to try and explain that they saw, you know, it saw a spooky monster like rip a dude's chest open. And now you have to be like, okay. Now we have to bring along this five-year-old girl to investigate and try and find this thing and then also fight it, which is dangerous. And we want to try and protect the kid. You know, it adds crazy layers. That's a Witcher enemy. You know what I'm saying? Can you imagine the conversation you need to have with that kid's parents? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's cra- what I mean. I'm willing to bet you money minutes, that I there's swear. no way in hell... <laughs> They're this, letting you take that child. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, going to take your child to hunt a monster. To that's save what I'm the saying. World, it, it becomes a role play opportunity. It becomes tactically interesting. There's some morality attached to it. Like there's so many layers that one monster could potentially have. Yeah. So it's like that's how you should do it. If you want to have the Red Baron quest line in The Witcher 3, you have to have this like complicated, ah, well, so to get the Lubberkin to come out, we have to dig up your kid's fucking your dead baby's corpse and then we have to bury it a certain way and you know like all that crazy shit and then oh the lubricant you can only hit it when it's in the like light of the lantern or whatever you know like you know what i mean like that's how you really get in there you know doing a little vulnerability every once in a while sure that's fine but the fucking skulk you want to make your players like hunt a monster that's how you fucking get there you know and and essentially essentially the secret guys is everything's a puzzle and everything's a dungeon you know <laughs> that's the secret right every every monster hunt is a dungeon instead of rooms you have you know points of evidence and it's it's a puzzle that's you know make it make the fight a puzzle yeah. anyway yeah so yes mm. z is on the right track but i think he sort of missed the mark a little bit is basically what I would say. I also, know, I, although you, I, can, I feel like I'm not doing extreme justice. Well, you definitely, can, it's one of those like three. It's like a literally a five minute video, right? Too. Right? Yeah. You can mix the two too, right? Like you can combine both methods. Like sometimes, yeah, it's just finding a vulnerability. Sometimes it's finding a specific ability's weakness. You know what I mean? I think he even went into like finding like the monster's favorite food or what they, you know, like a yeah, bunch that of kind of shit. Normally done yeah. doing research, which. And like it's kind of side tangent from the Z Basher stuff as well, and getting on to like just before before we wrap up, like rain like this would be like an like kind of like how you were talking about in Cyberpunk and other games, net running or hacking is like its own separate mini game. Yeah, would this make like that for Rangers for Five E? Where it's like, finally, I have a thing I can do with my range uh, powers. So <laughs> I, can, I can hunt the monster. <laughs> This is the problem with Ranger in 5e. <laughs> no. And you want to know why, Matt? Why? <laughs> because Ranger abilities are not about exploring and hunting. Ranger abilities are about skipping the exploring and the hunting. Right? Because they're just making the, the exploring a little easier. Mostly, no, you know, most, ignoring a lot, difficult terrain. Right, and that's the problem. A lot of the stuff is so binary. So it's like, oh, Ranger, you just don't have to deal with this problem which is not interesting so as much as it seems cool like oh yeah 
my ranger's gonna get something to do. What's gonna happen is your ranger's gonna have an ability that just lets him circumvent slash ignore the puzzle and just solve it instantaneously. You know? So it's like, oh, fuck. And the 5e had this is a this is this is not a ranger specific problem. This is a 5e game design problem where a lot of things have the ability to just oh, this is a problem in the game. Your ability just lets you ignore it. You know, for example, the ability where it's like, oh, you're a warforged, so you don't have to eat or breathe like this is a mechanic. You just get to ignore it. You know what I mean? And it gets used quite a lot in 5e. So can it be something cool for me for your ranger? It could be. But as the ranger is designed right now, it's probably unfortunately not going to be unless you do some extra work. You know, and sort of talk to your ranger player up front and be like, hey, listen, so we might have to adjust some of your abilities to make it so you don't just get like free W's all the time or something like that, you know, like whatever it would be. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, it could be, but. Okay. You know, perhaps one day as far as making an entire mini game Depends. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on the execution. Right, right. Which is a. Uh, or as you would say, Matt, it depends. Yep. Which is. It does indeed. That's the, the slogan for 5e. It depends. <laughs> yeah, right. Wizard of the Coast, hire me. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Oh, but, um. Yeah, I guess uh, any any last closing thoughts, uh, Isaiah? My existence is pain. Pain, yeah. That's all I got. Nothing? Nothing, just seething? Uh, Coping, seething, malding, yes. Oh, God. You want a smoothie or... Bro, I would love a smoothie with an unhealthy amount of fucking rum in it. Like... Yeah, actually, so... I said a smoothie, not a milkshake. I fucking... uh, We stopped at a 7-Eleven. I did the coca-cola blueberry raspberry green apple like just doing the thing where you mix all the flavors in one slushy animal fucking amazing animal so good i I can't i literally cannot judge i do the same shit whenever (laughs) i go to a fucking place that has slurpees or smoothies i'm surrounded i don't drink soda slushies for some reason just like surrounded by animals yeah i'm just like yes Surrounded them ice. Somebody save me. I'm surrounded by savages. Especially when you got like five different Mountain Dew slushies and you're like, I'm just going to put them all in there. It's all the same yeah, thing. It's, it's all, all just yeah, pure it's all sugar. The same flavor. Yeah. Oh, Those, yeah, different the, colored sugar. Yeah. Everyone that drinks Mountain Dew and is like, no, I only like the red one. They're all the same. They taste the same. I don't. Like, this one's cherry. No, it's not. I don't have a I don't I don't have a response to this. You so, clearly didn't grow up with people who drank Mountain Dew all day long. I did not know. I, I drank. I, I hung around too many people that drank Mountain Dew all day long. It was uh, no, not a good drank, time. That's I really just a, drank canned Minute Maid lemonades. That's really unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Mountain Dews, uh, so yeah, uh, I guess yeah. So I said no, no final words for hunting monsters and what you, uh, with general, general, I you know, closing statements. Monster cool. Monster cool. Monster hunting cool. Joshua, what do you think? Is monster, is monster hunting cool? Is I feel like cool? I've talked way too much this episode, so just uh, refer back to all the shit I said. I'm very yeah. I was surprised you were originally like I don't want to talk this episode. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I know this is yeah, one guys. of those. This is one of those topics I thought about a lot. 
Hey guys, mo monster cool. Uh, I j I'll just end with this little little advice for DMs. Uh, literally, just look through the monster manual. Whatever like piques your interest, just pick it and just there you go. Just run with that. Whatever you know, piques your like, pee pee. Yeah, I mean, whatever gets your pee pee hard. Whatever you know, it's like you look at the flip through the page and you're like, ooh, displacer beast. Look at that. Oh man, I gotta use that in my game. Just do it. Just don't don't be like, I need a monster. It needs to fit in this thing. Nah, fuck you. Find a monster, then make it fit. Just the mat, just the jank. Just make to it shove fit it up in your there. Just nah, shove, yeah, shove it way up your butt, Morty. Way up your butt. Way up your butt. Way up the butt. I can't. I can't. I even need leave. that seed of. Y'all in control of my audio this time. I can't. I, nothing <laughs> I can do. Uh huh. I have to just sit here and take this. Way yep. up your butt, Morty. All the way up. I need that seed. <laughs> 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 oh, but thank you guys for for joining us uh, on this this uh, very scuffy, <laughs> brain numbing edition of the sessions canceled podcast. I don't know why I keep saying edition like fucking five e. Uh, you mean 6E? No, 6E, yeah, 6.5E. Uh, you know, 6.5E. <laughs> do me, everyone out there in the universe, do me a favor. Do the Wizards of the Coast survey for 1D&D &D and just just keep saying, please change the name for the love of God. Don't call it 1D&D. 1D&D &D is not apply. the, it's a working title. It's just like D&D yeah, &D next. It's not the fucking name. I know. I just, I just, I just hope it doesn't stick. Uh, it's not going to stick. Yeah, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and subscribe no, to no, Netflix. And no, <laughs> no, Netflix. Netflix. Wow, I'm shot. All right. Matt, you want me yeah, to do it? Give, give us a like on the YouTube. Matt? Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Uh, follow us on all podcast platforms and give us a thumbs up on Spotify. It really helps. Platform, There's no you know thumbs on Spotify, Matt. Isn't it the thumb? Give us no. a five star <laughs> oh my on God. iTunes. No, it stars on fucking I'm Spotify, so, Matt. Oh my god. I'm so bad. Go to those websites, check <laughs> us out, post a comment in the description below. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know where. My uh, man check said, out my MySpace. I'm going home. I'll see y'all later. I'm he out said of here. subscribe on Netflix. I'm hitting stop. I can't.